Hi, this is Rutanya Alder from Girls Night Out, and you're listening to The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to the Hysteria Continues Even, um, episode number 57. And this week we will be going to DeWitt College uh, for Girls' Night Out, uh, the 1982-come-1984 slasher, uh, Joseph's Choice. Um, We're also going to be having another quiz, one of Joseph's mind-benders. And he says it's not too hard, but um, we're not sure, are we? Is it going to be hard? We shall see. We shall see. Okay. Right. Well, we'll see what will pop up later. Um, mm-hmm. And we are also going to be talking about Recently Seen. And obviously, we're going to be covering the uh, Girls' Night Out. And we have an exclusive interview Joseph did with Ratonia Alder, which is a very interesting chat about her time making the movie and some surprising um, little anecdotes coming up. So, uh, without further ado, I shall introduce you to your fellow scavenger hunters. Eric, how are you doing? Well, I'm not happy. Why is that? To be honest. Well, courtesy of our friend Jay Kelgren, I've now got an IMDb profile name, uh, entry even, uh, which is fine. So it has thanks to, and then the entries are Bloody Homecoming and Varsity Blood. But somebody, and I think I know who, has put in the Do You Know section that my nickname is Inga. (laughs) That, that is now, very you, funny. You both, I know, I know, it wasn't Nathan because he doesn't have a, a bad bone in his body. But it's definitely either you or Joseph. It definitely wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. would, I would take credit for that because I thought it was funny, but it was definitely not me. Yeah, I would mm. own up to it because I think it well, was. It we'll was very see what, funny. We'll see what my lawyers say. That's all I have okay. to say on it. Have you ever had a bad bone in your body, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean, Joe Justin. Okay. Well, it yeah. definitely wasn't me. That's all I can say. So, yeah. you know, mm. you finger someone else, at, um, Eric. So, <laughs> Joseph, how are you doing? I am quite, um, I guess, tired. I'll wake up. I just had an energy drink. So, just give me a minute. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm better now. You're better now. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, having a Red Bull at nine o'clock in the morning is terribly healthy. Ew, I do not drink Red Bull. Ooh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be one of those kind I'll of tell shows. Tell your lawyer that. Mm. Well, <gasps> Nathan, how are you doing? Are you wide awake? Are you talking to me now? I am. Because you guys don't know this, but I just uh, Skype just dropped my call and it just reconnected me. Wow. That's the magic of technology. Yes. I'm well, quaint. You're quaint? Yes. How? In what way are you quaint? 
Um, like an old cottage. Okay. Right. Well, I think we all have a mental picture. Yes. <laughs> of what I'm it's not far quite sure. From quaint, but, uh, believe me. It is going to be one of those shows. And um, I was uh, talking to Eric before. I was drinking 80% proof rum, um, Austrian rum yesterday. But I only had two sips before mine was knocked over. So um, thankfully, otherwise I may not have been here. Was, was it knocked over as you fell off your chair? No. Unconscious. I just no. popped out. I just, gone, I just popped out the room and I came back and they were mopping it up. It was only in little shot glasses. Mm. Well, you know, for each percent, that's cat, enough. No it, was, no, it was just somebody somebody else there. But um, they just accidentally knocked it over. Clumsy Clumsison. Was it him again? It was. It was. Oh. But we did have, because um, we had the people around the other weekends and we've got these shot glasses we got in Gran Canary, which have a rather rude pictures at the bottom of the glass. <laughs> so... So it gives a whole new meaning to stiff one. Um, but we are going to be going on to Girls' Night Out shortly. Um, before we do that, should we talk about what we've been watching in the last couple of weeks? Um, Nathan, have you been watching anything of note? Um, I recently watched Jurassic Park for the first time. When I'd 3D? never seen it before. Was it the 3D was version? Yes, it was the 3D version. And was it any good? And... Uh, yeah, it's good if you like depth, and I don't really care about depth. Um, it doesn't really have anything coming out of the movie screen like I want. So I was ultimately underwhelmed by by the 3D. Okay. Well, I kind of guess it wasn't shot for 3D, was it? So that's the problem with those kind of post-converted films. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Unfortunately. Uh, but I mean, the movie itself was all right. I mean, you know, for the first time seeing it, it's surprising I've gone this long without watching that movie. Yeah, no, it's funny, isn't it? It's kind of like it's like with Star Wars. I didn't see Star Wars until about fifteen years ago. I didn't watch it so <gasps> I know. Really, I didn't see Star Wars until last year. Oh, really? And I wish okay. I hadn't watched it. Oh, <gasps> <laughs> wow. I hate those movies. They're so boring. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not a Star Wars fan either. No. I, I don't like them. I can imagine there's a lot of people out there listening who are doing the, um, you know, uh, crossing themselves. Mm. Fainting like Ned Flanders. Yes. But yeah, I'm not, I mean, we've discussed this before. I'm not a big sci-fi fan. I mean, I can't stand the Star Trek movies, really. Um, Or any of that, really. I mean, I quite like the Star Wars movies, but I've no rush to watch them again. And the the new ones are pretty awful. And I've completely underwhelmed by the idea of them uh, uh, releasing one a year for the next well for yeah, eternity yes mm. so um but uh yeah well, anything else nathan uh i watched stitches okay a, mm. a killer clown movie mm. and i loved it i thought it was um you know i mean it's got its corny moments you know uh, definitely especially some of the one-liners but ultimately i thought it was a lot of fun you know a lot of gory kills you know mm. i mean you know interesting villain yeah, you, you saw, we've spoken about that before, haven't we? Was that that you saw that, Eric? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. No, Joseph's seen it. Oh, that's right. It was yeah. me. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was just okay. I mean, I thought it had like one or two like really funny moments, but the rest of the comedy was just kind of blah. And I didn't really like the characters, but the actual uh, the gore was really good. So I was just kind of split down the middle about it. Mm. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Any, anything else, Nathan? Uh, that's all I've seen. Okay, well, Joseph, how about you? What have you been watching? 
Well, let's see. I think I've only watched one movie because I have been just kind of I've been buried in paperwork. But uh, no, uh, I, I, I watched the um, uh, Unaware. It's a found footage movie about this couple who um, they go. They're going to uh, his grandfather's house for the weekend, and he plans to propose to his girlfriend there. But when they get there, um, the grandparents are gone, and there's a note on the window telling the uh, the person who um, takes care of their lawn, you know, to mow around the house and mow, uh, I guess, some kind of field. But it says stay away from the barn. And so this kind of drives the guy crazy because ever since he was a kid, he's always wanted to know what was inside the barn. And so, you know, after they kind of settle in and he eventually does propose to his girlfriend – he gets the bright idea to go uh, looking in the barn, and I won't say what they find, but up until this point and to when they actually see what's in the barn, I was really with the movie. I mean, it's probably the only found footage movie I've seen in a while where I actually liked the characters. They never bickered. They never yelled. They were really nice people. But then um, once they reveal what's in the barn – and they get that initial shock out of the way, it kind of like just kind of, um, they start revealing too much. I mean, it, it becomes silly. I mean, the buildup is just great. I mean, it's totally creepy. And then, I don't know, it's just like they're like, okay, let's do overkill. And it kind of ruins the film. So, uh, another one of those kind of meh movies that I am kind of disappointed in because I had heard so many good things about it. Okay, because you're the uh, as you as the regular listeners will know, you're kind of the king of the found footage movie. Yeah, I, I like many... them. No one else does, but I do. <laughs> well, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'll take it, uh, Nathan. Have you seen that? No, I have not. No, I've not seen it, and I take it, Eric, you probably haven't either. No, it hasn't opened in Dublin yet. Okay, using your famous catchphrase. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Well, thank you. Thanks for that, uh, Joseph. Anything else? Uh, no, um, you know, as I've said, I've been kind of busy, but I need to kind of catch up. I haven't really been watching a lot of TV lately. Mm. Okay. Right. Well, thank you. Um, Eric, I understand you've been to the cinema. I have. The first time in six months I've worked out. It was my first trip to the cinema. That's the longest I've gone without going to the cinema for, since I started going in 1978 Gosh. so uh, i went to see a remake of a film called the evil dead which was i think was released in 1982 i don't know if you might you might have seen it mm. uh, have you heard of it i think is so is it the one with um bill so. campbell bill campbell is that his yeah, name yeah i think or or glenn, john glenn campbell. campbell it's glenn campbell, glenn campbell that's, it. that's yeah. it yeah so uh, anyway I I, sorry that's an okay movie if i remember correctly okay. Anyway, I, well, of course, went to see the Evil Dead remake, hmm. uh, which has officially opened in Dublin, Justin. Okay. Um, now, I went with very low expectations because of the reviews that uh, Joseph and Nathan gave it on the last podcast. Um, hmm. And I have to say, I enjoyed it far more than our two American friends did. Uh, I still don't think it's a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, you know, I thought it was, it, it entertained me. I mean, I can understand any misgivings people might have. I mean, I'm not, I'm a huge fan of the, the original film and this one, uh, 
it what it lacks, I think, that the original trilogy is the sense of humour. This has absolutely no sense of humour at all, and it just goes out of its way to be particularly nasty and violent in a um, you know hostile or saw kind of manner. Uh, I went with a non-horror fan, and he was saying beforehand, you know. I hear this is supposed to be the scariest movie in a long time, so you're not to laugh at me if I get really frightened during it. And afterwards he said, oh, it wasn't even the slightest bit scary at all. It was just gruesome. And I suppose that's, you know, probably the problem with it. It, it. The great thing about the original is that because it has that sense of fun, it makes it endlessly rewatchable. And I find it, it like but either parts one or two are great party movies, especially if you've non-horror fans over, because they're so inoffensive, even though they're quite graphic. Uh, but this one is just graphic and it is kind of, um, it, it just has nasty limb ripping and shredding and stuff. But having said that, I was entertained all the way through. If I'd certainly give it maybe a five or six, maybe no, six out of ten, I'd say, for it. Okay. And also there's a great nod to Nailgun Massacre in there. I think Nailgun Massacre was a great uh, influence on the film. I'm surprised that Joseph didn't mention that in the last podcast. What are you talking about? In the Evil Dead remake, there's a Nailgun Massacre. Yeah, tribute. what's the reference? What's the reference? Well, one of the possessed demony people goes around with a nail gun. Oh yeah, I'm sure they got that from Nailgun Massacre. Yeah, <laughs> yeah might well, actually, one of, the, one of the things I did like about it uh, that I could relate to really strongly was there's a character in it called Eric who's on the receiving end of an absolute ton of physical abuse, which I thought was kind of a nice parallel to this podcast. Hmm. Explain yes. more. I happen to disagree. Because I'm on the receiving end of verbal abuse every week, week in, week out on this podcast, and I thought it was... Well, <laughs> the one thing I can say about the Eric character is he's probably the worst one in the film. <gasps> but he suffers the most. He gets hypodermic needles in the eye, he gets stabbed in the chest, he gets nail guns, he gets nails fired into every orifice. And he just won't die. Yeah. But isn't he the one, though, that reads... Yes, yes, yes. Brings the demons to life. Yes, he is the one who reads the words and brings the demons to life. If you're going to read the Necronomicon, why don't you just keep it to yourself? Just kind of read it in your head. head. Yeah. I I wonder if that would still. I mean, you could go to the bathroom and, you know, it it could be bathroom reading. You don't have to sit there and say, hmm. Conda. Estrada. Anyway, I Tomatos. Yeah, what a moron. I just kind of wonder Eric if accents would affect it. You know, like, you know, yeah. if you have a thick southern accent, if you're like Conda, I mean, you know, like, Conda. You know, would the demon still get, you know, yeah. Yeah, by that? If Tracy from Body Count tried it out, it would work. Anyway, I, I thought it was far better than the remakes of Halloween, Friday the 13th, or Nightmare on Elm Street. Infinitely superior, I thought. Okay. Aww. Mm. Sorry. Well, talking Sorry, of... I like um, the Friday the 13th remake. You like that? Oh, I love the Friday the 13th remake. Really? I, I do not. It's just a bunch I, of horny teens getting killed by Jason. I hated it. Yeah, it was just like hostile with Jason. Mm. No, no, it was not. It's a slasher movie. Mm. So why did he keep the girl alive? Like, he's going to torture her. Okay, okay. I did not like that part, but... like And the part with a sleeping kills, bag like, holding it over the fire. Things. That's not Jason. That's the very beginning. That's not Jason at all. Yeah, it's and the bit where the, the guy sits down with the lingerie catalogue and a packet of tissues. I just wanted to hang myself Dickie Kavanagh style at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we come to blows, um, mm. is Ooh. there anything else? Sorry. Yes. 
Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I watched Night Riders, which is not the David Hasselhoff TV series. Mm. It's actually the George Romero 1981 movie with Ed Harris and Tom Savini, which has just come out on Blu-ray over here. Um, this is a film that I surprisingly <clears throat> really, really like. Um, because if somebody came up to me and said, this is a film about um, these troupe of performers who reenact medieval jousting tournaments on motorbikes, I'd say, that sounds really boring. And if you said to me it's two and a half hours long, I would say... That sounds really, really boring. Um, and I don't know, really know, can't pinpoint what it is I like about the film. It's, it's very low-key and it's an odd choice of subject matter. Um, and it's not exactly action-packed, but I, I just find that the world that is created within the film is, is quite engrossing um, and the unusual lifestyle sort of that the, the people live uh, in this unusual profession they have. It's engrossing, I found. And I think Ed Harris is excellent in it. And surprisingly, Tom Savini is absolutely brilliant in it as mm -hmm. the two sort of leads who are conflicted. One, Ed Harris is uh, very much into the lifestyle, into the purity of being a uh, sort of medieval king, whereas Tom Savini just wants fame and glamour and lots of women. Um, so, I mean, it'd be one of my favourite George Romero movies, I have to say. Uh, I know it's probably not to everyone's tastes, but uh, the the Blu-ray is actually excellent. There's a great uh, commentary track on it as well. Okay, I haven't I haven't seen it yet. Um, no, I, it's kind of not the film. It's not a kind of film that I particularly would rush out to see. But on your recommendation, I might take a take a, a plunge. Yeah, but um, I'd be worried. <coughs> I mean, it is. It's. Um, I don't think you, you you won't hate it because it's it's crap. You'll hate it because it's boring. If anything, but. Right. Um, what a what a recommendation! <laughs> yes, but no, I, it was on. Uh, remember the movie drum series that used to be on BBC Two, mm. introduced by Alex Cox. Yeah, uh, they showed it once, and that's when I saw it first. And I said, I'll, "Okay, I'll, you know, I knew what the subject matter was." And I said, "I'll give it twenty minutes, and then I'll go to bed if it's rubbish." And mm. uh, you know, it, I found it really interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. Well. Thank you. Um, well, Nathan and Joseph, have you seen Night Riders? No. I I did a long, long time ago, but I don't even remember it. Okay, okay. Well, I'd say there's one I shall look out for. So thank you, Eric. And um, just to round things off, um, I watched a few uh, films over the last couple of weeks. One was the the Caller, which has got um, it's a Stephen Moyer from um, True Blood in it, and a woman's name escapes me now. But it's a kind of a new film um, or newish film the last couple of years, which has got a really interesting premise and um, without giving too much away, because basically it starts, this is how the film more or less starts. It's a woman moves into an apartment and she's just separated from her husband and she starts getting crank calls. Um, but um, they're from a woman asking for a, if a, a man's in the apartment, a certain person, and she says no. And what it turns out is, a, well, it's not clear to start off with and whether this is real or, or not, but it appears that the calls are coming from 1979. Um, so the woman is actually calling across time and uh, and it turns into, uh, at the end, a slasher movie. Um, most of it isn't a slasher movie, but the, the end 20 minutes are pure slasher movie. Uh, and I thought it was it was a really interesting idea done pretty well. Um, I didn't love it. Um, I could have been better, but I thought it was quite it was quite an interesting little film. Has anyone else seen it? Oh yes, yes. I love that film. I think it's I great. I loved it too. Because mm. you, you oh. see what I mean about it sort of turning into kind of a slasher movie at the end. 
Oh yeah, and the woman who plays the um, the caller, uh, God, she just did such a great job. I thought, you know, She's that's creepy. a really good performance. It's a really good performance. Mm. I bet you, Eric, have you seen it? No, I hadn't even heard of it, but it sounds really good. I have to say, mm. so I'm going to seek. Oh, you got to see it. Eric. Has it's it been released really in Bristol? It has. Well, we got it. Got it on uh, uh, Love, Film. It? Love Film. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. on Netflix as well. Yeah, not over here, probably. No, but. You should seek it out, Eric. It's really, really good. No, yeah. it does sound good. Gonna, it sounds like the lake house, only with a phone. Yes, yes. So, so that was one of the films. The other film I think we talked about before is Grabbers, which is the Irish film. Eric, yeah. you, you <gasps> talked about that at some point. What was that you? noise that Nathan I heard? Made? A noise. Yeah. Oh, I just really want to oh. see it, and everybody else is seeing it, and, except me. <laughs> well, you, I can't find it. You can't find I it. I want you in the way, young mm. young man. I will point you in the way. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't anything special, but I thought it was quite fun, and the CGI I thought was incredibly good for kind of a relatively low budget movie. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but we've we've talked about that, and obviously it had a it struck. A, there's a resonance there with the idea of uh, drinking to be kept safe from monsters, which I thought was yes. a very nice little thing. Um, now the Although other film it does reinforce stereotypes about the Irish. Yes, it does. Well, it plays with them really, doesn't it? More than that still would be safe. <laughs> Um, I was off. I had um, a flu bug early in the week, so I was off um, work, and I I couldn't get off the sofa. So I just watched a triple bill, and I won't go into any d- uh, details. But one of them, uh, one of them was the violent Naples, um, which oh, yeah. is kind of one of Polizia, which is really good. Actually, it was really good fun. It was kind of by our friend um, whose name escapes me now. Who's the guy? Oh, Seven Bloodstained Orchids, and. Uh, Cannibal Ferox, what's his name? Oh, Umberto Lenzi. Yes, it's, I think it was one of his. But um, that was the <coughs> film. But then I I watched that and they an Italian sort of um, sort of another crime drama. And then I spoiled it all by watching a film, a slasher film from the classic era I've never seen. And that film was Trick or Treats, the nineteen eighty two <laughs> babysitting <laughs> movie, which was oh, awesome. so appalling. I, I've not oh. seen a film that bad. <laughs> For a long time, I'm, I know uh, I love his, Nathan. I love his you love. Oh, awesome! Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've seen this one. Oh, yeah. it's so bad. It's it is so awful. Awful, and it's so bizarre because it's got like um, all these people like uh, is it John Carradine and um, oh David David Carradine. I'm looking at here. Steve David Carradine, back, Carrie Snodgrass, Peter Jason. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, Paul Bartel. And Paul, uh, what's his uh, Railsback? Um, Steve Railsback. Yeah. Rails and it, it, they're all in it, and it's kind of. But the film, it's it's shot like basically like, like a bad porno movie, and and then I looked up what the director else what else he'd made, um, and he'd made loads and loads of pornos, unsurprisingly. And I wrote down a little list of my favourites. Um, you know that, that kind of we talked about this before, but they're kind of the pornos that do the rip off of the big the big blockbusters yeah. or the films that are popular at the time. So a little, uh, um, some of his were Silence of the Buns, M- Maverick, The Joy Fuck Club, and Cape Rear, which I thought was particularly good. So, um, Cape Rear, that's funny. Yeah. I, I heard um, The did... Joy Suck Club. That's the one I'd heard before. Yeah, he actually directed um, a film I think that Joseph likes. And it's not, it's not, <gasps> anal, it's not Anal Paprika 3 or anything. It's uh, Evil Tunes. Is that one of the ones you like? Okay. I do like Evil Tunes. Yeah. Ooh, I love Evil Tunes. Oh, maybe it was Nathan I was thinking of then. Yeah. I like it too. Yeah, it's it's fun. <laughs> but Nathan, you you do you like this movie? Do you? Is it the kind of movie you would choose for the podcast? Yes. 
Um, maybe around Halloween. Okay, okay. Well, the thing is, it, it's just because it's, without going into it in any detail as much as I can, it's kind of, uh, basically, it's a, the story is, is a woman who goes to babysit a real brat who is kind of, keeps on trying to scare her, um, and he kind of does magic, and he keeps on, like, she keeps on finding him, like, he's, he, he does things like um, floats himself, floats upside, or face down in the pool, um, and just on the off chance, you'll look out the window. And she does and things like that. And then, but there's also an escaped homicidal maniac coming back home and things like that. But that kid, who was, I think, the director's son, was the most annoying child character, I think, in any movie I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> so it could be quite fun to cover at some point, I guess. Mm. But uh, can, I just, yeah. can I just make a correction? He was the cinematographer on Evil Tunes. I was looking at the wrong list on IMDb. Sorry. Okay. Yes. Well, that's my, that is my recently seen. So, uh, I think I'm going to turn us over to Joseph for his devil devilish quiz or devilishly hard quiz. So, <laughs> hi, I am Biff Binkman, and you are on Joseph's 1980 through 1989. Um, I don't have a very good, you know, game show intro. Actually, it's um, basically I'm going to give each of you riddles. Uh, mm. uh, Involved with a movie slasher, slasher, eh, excuse me, slasher movie killers, and you have to name the title of the film. Now we're doing eighty through eighty-four today, and then on another episode we'll finish up the uh, the uh, the decade. And I chose this because I think Girls' Night Out has an interesting killer, so why not do some quizzes about killers? So we will start with nineteen eighty, and I'm going to preface this that with. Excuse me again. I'm going to preface this with you can't just win 80 through 84. You have to win the entire thing before you can declare yourself champion. <clears throat> Inga. Okay. Hey. <laughs> we see you should have said this in the, the last time you did one of these quote two part quizzes. Well, I didn't know you, I didn't know you were going to turn into a complete psychopath when you know. So I learned my lesson. Mm. Hmm. Okay, well let's let's get the let's get the show on the road. Let's see um before, you know. Now we are going to start with 1980 and mm. I have randomly selected who goes first and Nathan, do you choose door number 1, door number 2 or door number 3? Uh 2. Okay. The here is the riddle. It's I'm ugly and I have an edible complex. What movie does this killer belong to? I Ugly and has an edible complex. Edible, <laughs> as in edible, as in motherly. Oh, I thought edible meant eating, like you know. O e d i p a l, edible. Oh, oh, okay. Ugly with a mother complex. Um. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, don't go in the house. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to pass this over to Eric. Hmm. Well, he wasn't a killer, but the only one I can think of that comes to mind is Jason in Friday the 13th. No, I'm sorry. Hmm. How about you, Justin? Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Because um, I was, I was, Jason sprung to mind, but obviously... I remember, this is 1980. 1980. <sighs> Another complex. Hmm. 
knows you're alone. I don't think that would be that one. But no, I'm no. sorry. The answer was maniac. Oh, oh okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. John Spinell's not ugly. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither okay, is Eric. Yeah, Eric. Door number one or door number three? Does it really matter? Because I know this whole quiz has been rigged, so I won't win. Oh, here we go. Here we go. A. It's a big yeah. I'm sorry? Door number A. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Eric. If you skimmed the razor's edge, you'd determine who I am. What movie does this killer belong to? Skimmed the razor's edge. I have no idea, so I'm just going to guess New Year's Evil. No, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Justin. Oh, razor's Edge. Um, I think this, this quiz is going to be lots of pregnant pauses, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, night School? No, I'm sorry. Nathan. Um, let's see. What was the movie I was thinking about? American Nightmare. No, I'm sorry. The answer was Dressed to Kill. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess it's uh, Justin is left with door number three. Okay. And if he, if you don't get this, I will be dumbfounded. Okay. Prepare to I be can't dumbfounded. Seem, I can't. Okay, here we go. I can't seem to stay dressed in one outfit. I better go change in the nearest berth. What movie does this killer belong to? Oh, Terror Train. That is correct. Hey. Justin with one. Of course, he has the easy one. Eric? Sorry, yeah, it's oh, the easy one. Yeah, oh, it's began. Yeah. It was random, Eric, wasn't it? Yeah. Complete oh, this can you famous just look at me like that and laugh at me? You're satisfied, I suppose, that Ralph couldn't come. <laughs> mm, you deserve yeah. that. All right, 1981, and we are back. Okay, we're going to start with Eric this time. So, Eric, door number one, two, or three? Three. Number three. Okay, you might get this one. Okay, I may prance about in the place of the dead like a fine dandy, but I can kill with the best of them. What movie does this killer belong to? Is this 1981 we're on now? Yes. Okay. Can you repeat the clue again? I may prance about in the place of the dead like a fine dandy, but I can kill with the best of them. What movie does this killer belong to? <sighs> hmm. Sounds like a kind of a new romantic clue when you say the word dandy. <laughs> um, I can't think of any new romantic slashers, though, set in graveyards. Uh, place of the dead. Oh, no. Isn't Mortuary 1981? Yes, Not mortuary. that is correct. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Oh, he prances around. Yes, of course. His little yeah, skip through this. Yeah. That's one for Eric. Yeah. And let's uh, see. Justin, door number yep. one or door number two? Uh, door number two, please. All right. You should probably get this one. You might say I'm rather large or a giant or a similar adjective. What movie does this killer belong to? Well, um, humongous. That is correct. Uh. <laughs> How rude, Eric! I'd, I'd made no so kind of that one. Sorry, it was so obvious. 
Well, I was thinking it might have been humongous sometimes listed as 1982. That was the only reason I gave a little <coughs> pregnant pause there, Eric. Yeah, whatever. So, okay. such a sore loser. Nathan. Nathan is left with door number one, and he should probably get this one. I have no name, no real identity to speak of, but at least I get to attend college, but not to pass the tests. What movie does this killer belong to? Uh, final exam. And that would be correct. Hey, well so, done. Yay. Yay. We are I now. I got one wrong. <laughs> we are getting to 1982. Nathan has one, Eric has one, and Justin has two. Yay. And Justin, you will start with you this time. Okay. Door number one, two, or three. Uh, number two again, please. Number two. Okay. You think you can stop me? Why, that would take someone with a perfect roundhouse. What movie does this killer belong to? Perfect roundhouse. Um, I'm not sure what a roundhouse is. Is that like some kind of bar? No, that's a kick. Oh, around. Oh, okay. Um, I was thinking of building as well. Yeah. Is it Silent Rage? That is correct. All right. We're back to Nathan. So door number one or door number three? Uh, Three. Okay. And you will get this one. I should have joined the circus, considering I can juggle many an item while killing. What movie does this killer belong to? Um, it's, uh, Island of Blood. And that would be correct. So, Eric, that leaves you with door number one, and you should probably get this one, maybe. They say the third time's the charm, and it must be true. I really become iconic here. What movie does this killer belong to? Oh, I think it's Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D. And that would be correct. Yay! All right. Justin is in the lead with three, but Nathan and... Well, how is Justin in the lead? He's got three. Because I've got three. You only and got two. you and Nathan are tied with two. You only got two. <laughs> Eric, do you, do you want me to play another Inga? What was the third one he got? He got Silent Rage. Um, he got Terror Train. And what was the third one? Terror Train. And that second... What's the second one that uh, you got right? I don't remember. Yeah, he don't remember because he didn't get one. He's only got two. Oh, I did get he three. Got passed, uh, he got one pass to him. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. I did. That's ridiculous. You can listen back, Eric. I'm sorry, Eric, but... I'll get my revenge. You'll see. Oh. <laughs> I will. I mean, I'm going to listen back to this podcast afterwards. and Yeah, and you'll be, be eating your words, Thrillful. Certainly so, so, no, I won't. Curse you me. will. You're, you're really not lending credence to your whole lawsuit against the IMDb credit. Yes, I know. <laughs> but why don't, you just give, why don't you give Justin 10 points? Why don't you just give him 10 points? Yeah, you're in the lead, Justin. You got 10. <laughs> Eric, I did. I got, what was it, 1981, wasn't it? Which one did I get for the 81? It was House humongous. of Death, wasn't it? House of Death. Yes, Humongous. Oh, no, humongous. humongous. Oh, Humongous. Sorry, yeah. Yes. Oh, so, oh, Eric. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Eric. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So. Lay down. Okay, so what? We're on 1983, okay. and we're starting with Nathan this time. So one, two, or three. Okay. One. Okay, you should probably get this. No one must know, quote unquote, who I am. What movie does this killer belong to? No one must know who I am. Oh, um, A Blade in the Dark. And that would be correct. All right. 
Eric, if you can contain yourself, door number yes. two or three? Three. Okay, you should probably get this one. It wasn't me. It was my crazy twin. What movie does this killer belong to? Uh, well, I think it's The Initiation, but it's not 1984. The Initiation, I'll say. Yes, that is correct. <gasps> Phew. And Justin, now, now I, guess I have you're, three. Yeah, you're all tied right now, actually. Okay, Justin, I guess that we are left with you with door okay. number. One minute. Two yeah, for two. we are left. I'm sorry. Door number two is left for. Yes. Justin. Justin yes. Okay. You'd kill two if you carried around one of these your whole life and had to keep it a secret at the behest of a crazed family member. What does this killer? What movie does this killer belong to? You'd kill two if you had to carry one of these around. Um, is it Sledgehammer? No, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to pass this to Nathan. If you had to carry one of these around... Your whole life and keep it a secret at the behest of a crazed family member. Um, unhinged. No, I'm sorry. That was a good guess, though. That was a good guess. But unhinged was 1982, not 1983. That was a bad guess. Or was unhinged 81? I can't Um, remember. I know it wasn't 83. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is Craig's family member, Psycho 2. No, I'm sorry. The answer is Sleepaway Camp. Oh, you're talking about... Oh, we... What? Mine was really close. Yeah, Nathan was close, but he was off by he's off by a couple of years. So. Can you explain your riddle? If you had to carry around one of these and keep it a secret at the behest of a crazed family member, oh, her winkle. Her, yeah, there you All go. All right, oh. I see. We well, just have to carry it, really. It just hangs there. Yeah, it just hangs there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're getting into technicalities now. Yeah. All right, we're. The 1984, which is the final year, and who did we start with last time? Was it I Nathan? Eric's time yes, to start. Yeah. yeah, Eric, or number one, two, or three? I'll go for number a big number two, please. Big number two. Okay, you might get this one. Hey now, hey now, don't dream it's over, because it's not. What movie does this killer belong to? Okay, well, there's two, there's two I'm thinking of. Uh... Because there's, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go for Friday the 13th, the final chapter. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to pass this on to Justin. A Nightmare on Elm Street. That would be correct. That is not fair, because that's what I was going for. And then you said, because it's not. (laughs) And I was like, oh. I'll get my revenge, you'll see. Because it's not implies that there are sequels coming. Yeah, which there was with Friday the 13th of the final chapter, where it implies it's over, but it's not. But dreaming. I, I, yeah, I know. Dreaming. Yeah. Dreaming. Dreaming. There was, there was a clue. Yeah, well, Trish is a dream sequence at the end of the, in a deleted scene at the end of Friday the 13th of the final chapter. Okay. Sure. We'll give Eric half a, a millimeter of a point. <laughs> Will we? He got it <laughs> no, wrong. I think, I know, I think you should just give Justin a million points. Why don't you just give Justin a million points? Okay. I don't mind. Respect I don't mind. Just give me a million points. Yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you like that, Justin? It feel good? Oh, that was, 
That's great. I can just my work here is only had like one difficult question this whole quiz. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, just cool. that's lady luck. <laughs> Speaking of Justin, yeah. door number one or door number three? Uh, door number three, please. Okay, you might say this killer has the leg strength to kill lots of people, even though most of the movie says otherwise. <laughs> what movie does this killer belong to? The leg strength. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, well, um, the only one I can think of, uh, uh, Trial Run? No, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to pass this to Nathan. Splatter you! And that would be correct. Oh, okay, got you. I love yeah, Splatter University. Uh, well, I don't understand the clue. You might have the killer has the leg strength. Leg strength. Because he's in a wheelchair, but then the movie says otherwise. Oh, I only have a vague recollection of Splatter University, I'm afraid. Yeah. I said, even though most of the movie says otherwise. Mm. All right. Um, I guess we are on to uh, Nathan. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. With yeah, door number on. one. All right. And you'll probably get this one, Nathan. So, Tossing former teen idols into electronics, one movie at a time. What movie does this killer belong to? Tossing former teen idols into electronics? One movie at a time. What movie does this killer belong to? Although the one movie at a time might be misleading, but I just thought it sounded good. Uh, all right. Well, I'm just going to focus on tossing teen idols into electronics. <laughs> it's Careful what you say. Yes. Wait, would that not break them? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, 1984, Teen Idols and Electronics. Um, I, I'm going to say Nightmares? No, I'm sorry. I'm going to pass this to Eric. Okay, I think this one is Friday the 13th, the final chapter. No, I'm sorry. What? That is Corey Hayman is computers. Corey, Corey Hayman is not in that movie. I know what Corey it is. Corey Feldman, I mean. Corey Feldman masturbated his computer. It was Deadly Intruder. That is correct, Justin. Yeah. You get a point. That clue could apply to Friday the Thirteenth final chapter as well. But he, t- but Corey, Corey Feldman is a teen idol, and he's playing a lot with his computer in Friday the Thirteenth final yeah, chapter. Yeah, but he doesn't, he doesn't have get his head tossed into through it. a TV set, does he? And excuse yeah. me, Danny Bonaducci was not a teen idol. Yes, yes. he was. Well, he I was got it pre-teen. right. Maybe not. Maybe not in your mind, but in. In someone's mind, he was people. preteen. He was like eight. I'm glad to see we've got a second Inga on the podcast. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> Justin, you are the only one who always it. keeps his composure. Oh, That's because yeah, you give I? him all the easy questions. Well, he wins all the time. Yeah. Oh. Complete the slasher movie icon's name, Jamie Lee Blank. Why don't you just <laughs> tell him to ask him that? And then it gets to us, and it's like, who was yeah. the key grip on Edge of the Axe? Exactly. You, you want to know what's funny is that Nathan um, Friday, Nathan was like, uh, I think me and Justin are the only ones who never get overexcited. <laughs> now, now look what's happened. My goodness, yeah. it's, it's yeah, when I win. You're gossiping about me. Mm-hmm. When I win. So you were gossiping about me, in other words. Yes. Well, we were mainly talking about your nickname on IMDb, because oh. I wondered if Joseph really did write that. Well, we know he did. <laughs> I wish I had now. It's probably really a crazed fan, Eric, I imagine. Hmm. 
or a bitter, mm-hmm. twisted co-host on the podcast. <laughs> Don't worry, Eric. You'll His have name a chance. Rhymes with Justin. <laughs> the game is not over, Eric. What was the final score anyway? Justin with five, Nathan with four, and Eric with three. Oh dear. Uh, uh. Yeah, well, I listened one yet, Creswell, okay? Cause there's no, a I never said it was. Quiz. I never said there's it was. There's a second part of this quiz, okay? I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to keep some dignity with this, Eric, so... Please. I'm in the <laughs> middle of Justin and Eric. Ooh, I brought my own mic. I did not mean it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these um these quizzes always kind of come to blows, don't they? So um, but yeah, all I will be revealed next, next time. Will be the last one. <laughs> yeah, possibly, if, it's, if Eric's going to have an aneurysm. Um, yes, I will. Because <laughs> I didn't end up in the emergency room after the last quiz we did at Christmas. Well, exactly. You could remember, take deep breaths, yeah. Eric, and try and study harder. Um, right. I think these quizzes are fun. I do as well. It's a way to get out all the aggression. Yeah, I think hmm. it's fun too. Okay. <laughs> right. Too well, tune in next time for the second part of the quiz. Um, if nothing else, I, I can like when we finish the podcast tonight, I go home with the uh, the word, the phrase, tossing a teenager off into a electronics <laughs> in my head. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and that will be. Forever, I think we all that'll be a little sound bite for yes, um, yes. <laughs> so, okay, what well, do you want to sum anything up, Joseph, or should we go into your, your pick? Of the I week? would just like to say you all played wonderfully. Thank you. Oh, that's very sweet of even, you, even you, Eric. Even you, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> right, well. Let's move on to the film of the week, which is uh, Girls' Night Out. And, uh, Joseph, you're going to bring us in after the trailer. You know what really turns me on? I love to be scared. But lately, things are getting weird. I don't want to be here. I don't want to go over right now. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. No one has seen Janie. And now Kathy's missing. Who is he? How are you? I wonder if they're with that kinky maniac we saw at the party last night. All these weird and kinky things have really got my motor running. I'm waiting for you, Benson. Oh, come on, Benson. I know you're faster than that. What can you expect? On a girl's night out. The day after a homecoming basketball game and victory party, an all-night scavenger hunt is held on the campus of a small Ohio college. Against the backdrop of campus shenanigans, the school mascot is murdered and his bear costume is taken by the psychotic killer. Stalking cheerleaders and killing them in creative ways, the killer's identity stays hidden by the playful costume. The campus security officer, Mac, played by Hal Holbrook, whose daughter was a victim of a similar killer, vows to find out who's behind it all before more killings occur. Okay, uh, Girls' Night Out is definitely a unique, if not exactly a coherent slasher film. Uh, It's one that displays much of the same cheese of the time frame without fear. But it's also a lot darker than most of the movies, uh, from 1984 especially. 
there's this sort of underlying sense of uh, quiet doom permeating the proceedings, and I kind of like that. And uh, one thing that really sets the film apart, uh, at least to me, from others in the subgenre is a complete role reversal on the whole uh, male and female sexes of slasher films and college comedies. Uh, here, the females are the ones who tend to brag about their sexual conquests, past and present, uh, while the men are usually consoling one another over how unfair the opposite sex has been or are being. Uh, it's definitely an unusual switcheroo in what we're used to with these films, and there's certainly much more to lend credence to this viewpoint. The killer, and this is a spoiler, so be warned, turns out to be Barney, a female character with a male name, whose real name is Katie, who is really pretending or truly believes she is her own brother. So there you go for that one. In the finale, the Barney-slash-Katie character, uh, played by Ratanya Alda, with whom we have an interview coming up, uh, switches back and forth between these uh, identities and genders. And it's really interesting, and at once it's quite creepy. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm looking into this too much, but there's definitely a theme of gender confusion, and whether or not it was intentional, I suppose, is a mystery. But... uh, Overall, does the film work? Uh, Yes and no, I guess, because uh, it's such an odd film that it doesn't really have a central character, nor does it really segue into the usual cliches of the subgenre. I guess it kind of works on an almost otherworldly level. It's uh, it's well acted and it's well photographed, so there's this kind of sheen of uh, professionalism going on, despite the fact that... It was a uh, Rush production, and there's more on that in the upcoming uh, interview with Ratanya. I kind of hazard a guess that most slasher fans will generally be divided. I mean, those looking for more straightforward spills and thrills, they might be disappointed in all the kind of bizarre tangents the film takes. But uh, I don't know. Those looking for something off the beaten path, will I think they'll find a lot to like here. Uh, including the ending, which I think is uh, one of the best final shots in slasher film history. It's very creepy, and it you know it kind of left me almost skeeved out. I guess. Um, hmm, I guess I've said enough now because I, I mean I do have much more to say later. But let's hear what Justin has to say. Well, to be honest, I probably agree with pretty much everything you said, Joseph. It's um, Girls Night Out is a is a really kind of schizophrenic slasher movie. Um, uh, and I think it's possibly that that schizophrenia or, or multiple personalities is partly because it seems like there was like about four or five people wrote it, uh, and it just seems they didn't really know quite what it wanted wanted to be, um, because much of the films kind of taken up with that kind of frat humour that you see in lots of other films, um, um, you know, around the time like the kind of frat kind of like Animal House that type of humor it seemed like they didn't know whether to go for that but then it's got offset by the the murders which aren't particularly graphic but the the whole thing of the killer hissing you know slut whore bitch which is kind of gives it a really grungy nasty edge um and the film is bookended by the the, the closing scene which i agree is kind of um it really take takes you know um takes you by surprise the first time you see it because it is kind of genuinely creepy and whether or not that was on purpose or it's just they accidentally did that i don't know but also the, the, i i find the the opening scene at the psychiatric hospital with the uh, with the kind of elderly nurse who kind of um gets a phone call from dicky Kavanagh and goes in to find him hanging in his room is quite creepy as well and i just kind of wondered whether or not you know if the film had kept that up all the way through it would have been um a completely different film but 
uh, it's so episodic as well that you've got um, no, you know, you've got like say the character of is it Maniac who um, he's one of the kind of frat boys. He just disappears for like uh, you know he's he's one of the main characters in the beginning of the movie, and then he just disappears apart from one little scene at the end. Um, it just seems like it was like a really troubled production or very rushed, which I know um, Ritania is going to talk about in a little bit. But um, I, you know, I like it. I mean, it's not a good film. You know, it's it's not a it's it's a film where you can pick out lots of good things from, and there's some not so good things in it. But um, I, you know, I do like it. I think it's you know it's got a great um, ambiance. You know, it's that it's great. You know, it's a kind of sorority, kind of fraternity, kind of college set slasher. I think is always going to be fun. Um, and I think the the cast are very enthusiastic and gen. You know, most of them are sort of genuinely likable. I think um, uh, so. That, that's got the, the benefits. But I think a tighter script um, and a bit more focus and actually having main, a main character that you kind of follow throughout would have probably would have helped an awful lot more. And we probably, people would be talking about it in the kind of higher echelon slash movies if it had, had been tightened up a little bit. Um, but that's, that's a little bit of what I think. So. Okay. Um, how about you, uh, Nathan? I'm a fan I really like Girls Not Out. Um, I mean, as as you said, you guys have said that it, it's not without its problems. I mean, you know, um, I kind of wanted more of a Final Girl. You know, um, that would have been nice—a um, really good chase scene or something. I would have really enjoyed that. I think the settings are creepy. You know, I, I love the idea of you know them getting uh, stalked during a scavenger hunt. Um. And hey, it did the whole Freddy Krueger like finger knives uh, idea before Freddy did. And one thing is, uh, I remember there was a scene where you know the two girls are deciding where to go, and you know one of them is going to go to the baseball field, and the other one was going to go to the uh, bell tower because of the bat clue. And I was thinking it would have been awesome to see this girl get like you know you know uh, stalked at the baseball field. I thought that'd be a good setting for a stalking scene, but unfortunately we didn't get that. Um, and, but ultimately, I think it's a good movie, and it does have really creepy settings, which add to the film. Um, and like you guys said, it's got a really creepy ending. And I think one of my um, uh, issues, though, is um, you know. Uh, the I'm horrible with names. I can't remember her character. Uh, what's the girl's character uh, that likes Benson? Laura Marie Sheila. Taylor's character? Sheila. Is it Sheila? Okay. Yeah. Um, she kind of weirds me out. You know, that she's got a thing for her cousin. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a little uh, icky, I guess, for lack of a better word for me. He's a second cousin. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but, but he can keep it up forever. So yeah. surely, <laughs> and she's got sore behind. You have to forgive her for she? that. Sorry, I'm not. Doesn't she say no she has a sore behind? Cousins. <laughs> what were you saying, Justin? Sorry. Doesn't she say she's got a sore behind or something? She can't sit down. It, it hurts when I mm-hmm. sit down. Yes. Mm. Right. <laughs> this very. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 kind of gross. I'm not gonna lie. And that might be why she dies. Mm. Just saying. Because she was, you know, that's kind of a whore thing to say and do. Well, and Pryor was right then, calling them whores. <laughs> oh, could have been, could have been. Uh, but anyway, you know, that's my two cents. 
Okay, Eric. Well, my little my notes here that I have uh, on a piece of paper echo everything that's been said by all three of you. I'm afraid, so you're uh, prepare for some repetition. Um, I've accused the film in the past of being very episodic as well, but uh, rewatching it this week, I found I think it was a, it's much more coherent than I originally thought. Uh, the problem with the film for me is that there's too many characters. Uh, and then there's a scene sort of 20 minutes into the film where you're introduced to lots of new characters, but we're at a fancy dress party. So when they reappear, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, they're unrecognizable. So they appear like they're new characters. And it was really hard, to, I found, to keep track of who was who. Because uh, like Nathan was saying, it was hard to keep track of names of characters. And that was a big problem. And as Justin was saying, Maniac is, I mean, apart from being a dreadful actor... I mean, the rest of the, the film, <laughs> the rest of the film is the acting's pretty good, but Maniac stands out as being particularly poor. And I'm wondering if the reason he just sort of drops out of the film uh, first for the middle sort of, well, he, he drops out after about half an hour and doesn't come back till the very end. Uh, I'm wondering if that was because they saw the dailies and they were like, ooh, maybe we should just uh, axe this guy's performance. Um, I mean, it does have... Uh, you know, it is a, kind of a standard slasher with these strange touches. I mean, the, the the lead characters are not the sort of goody two-shoes Jamie Lee Curtis or Adrienne King types. I mean, I suppose the final boy, if you can call him that, is Teddy. And he's openly, openly sort of cheating on his girlfriend with this character of Dawn. And she's kind of set up as kind of a final girl, but she's openly cheating on her boyfriend as well. But, uh, I mean, they're not unlikable characters. It's just unusual that they're portrayed as being so flawed i suppose um and there is a lot of that sort of soap opera dynamic going on for large sections of the film but i found it kind of entertaining i have to say uh, i do like the what i assume is improvised acting there's a great um see, well it's not a great scene but there's a scene i particularly like with carrick glenn who was previously in the burning and she's with her friend jane and they're searching for the first clue and it, it the it's the scene where um Jane doesn't have a watch and they're just trying to decide when to meet back. And it's so obviously just improvising on the spot and they, they come across as if they're really drunk. Um, it reminded me of kind of those improvised skits you get on Sesame Street where some kid like John John comes in and talks to Kermit the Frog about, you know, random nonsense. Um, I got that vibe off it and I thought that was kind of endearing in the film. I do, as, I, as you guys were saying, the final the final two minutes of the film are, you know, worth the admission price alone because they do sort of appear out of the blue. And I think we've made the parallel in the past of how it sort of echoes the end of Prom Night, where both Prom Night and Girls' Night Out are kind of fun and frivolous slasher movies and that, that have this kind of dark ending. Um, so I have to say, uh, Girls' Night Out, if you're not a fan, I'd say give it, maybe give it another go and really... Um, Maybe if you can sort of focus on, on which character is which, because that was the problem I've always had with the film, is that, uh, you know, at the 60-minute mark, I felt new characters were being introduced, but it wasn't. It was just characters that maybe hadn't appeared for maybe half an hour were being brought back in. If you can get past that, I think it's a really enjoyable film. Um, and I'm just looking at it now, and the, the wonder, wonderful character, an underused character of Bostwick is doing his dance. And that, that as well is worth its, its price. Um, he outdoes um, Crispin Glover in Friday the 13th, the final chapter, if I can bring up that, um, <laughs> that film again, Joseph Henson. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, big fan. Well, big, not big fan. I'm, I'm a fan of the movie, I have to say. 
I agree with you, Eric, about uh, the two girls. They come off genuinely like as drunk friends because I I love when they're like, let's meet back in 20 minutes. And she's like, okay, well, I don't have a watch. Count to 20. And she's like, well, that's 20 seconds. She's like, well, count slow. Yeah. Yeah. I I just think that just small moments like that really help make the film. I think I I really like um, Carrick Glenn, who is the girl from The Burning in this film, even though, again, she's underused. Yeah, she is. I guess you could say that all about a lot of the characters. I mean, kind of getting mm-hmm. back to the um, the the four different writers. It's like one writer is like, you know what? I want this film to be very creepy, and so he puts his two cents in at the beginning and at the end. And then the other one's like, well, I want all this kind of uh, gender confusion and kind of overt sexuality going on and with these flawed characters. So, you know, he pretty much kind of peppers that throughout. And then the other one's like, well, let's make it kind of a, a, a Porky's type movie. And it, it's so chaotic, but you know, I, I think it kind of works. I mean, in any other movie, I, I would, you know, I would be like, Ugh, is this ever going to like pick a road to go down? But I don't know. It just works here for some reason. Mm-hmm. Did, Did anyone, anyone else notice um, a kind of homoerotic frisson between Teddy and maniac? Yes. Yeah, that's that's another yeah. thing I was going to mention where they're kind of uh, in each other's arms pouring booze down their throats. I mean, mm. with long neck bottles. I mean, take from that what you will. <laughs> it reminds me a bit of um, yes. Doc and Moe from Terror Train. Yeah. From who, sorry? Bro- Doc and Moe from Terror Train. From Terror Train. Oh, right, yeah. 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 You know, that, that's a similar <laughs> thing. But also, did you notice there was kind of, there was no female nudity, but loads of male nudity. We're not, like, but bare chests. So mm. I do wonder if there was kind of a, um, you know, whoever's making it may have been a fan of that rather than the knockers. Do you think it was Jason yeah, Orange as, from Take That? He could have, what? Why would it be here? As the only, uh, as the only um, straight guy on here, I was kind of iffy about bringing up all the kind of homoeroticism, but I'm glad you actually brought that up because yeah. it, it, lo- it is peppered throughout the movie a lot. Mm. And the Along two jo- with the, the whole yeah, the two- gender confusion and everything, it's just it's so weird. There's those two over the top guys. I I didn't catch the character names, but they're the sort of the jokers, the two joker yeah. characters, and one of them wears is wearing a bra at one stage. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. act they act very camp. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And did you know <laughs> that the guy who played um, uh, Maniac, Mark McChesney, was it was a gay rights activist, so he was gay in real life. Yeah, he um, actually died in 1999 of AIDS-related complications. Sadly, yes, sadly. So, um, but um, he, like, with you know, I don't mean to be mean, but he is pretty awful of, of, in that scene where he's damn that scene. Hmm. No, does anyone else uh, pick I, up on it? You actually think I had something to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but um, he wasn't the best actor. Mm. Well, he wasn't dead then, so I think you're safe. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I do, we can t- come back and talk a b- little bit more about the film and some of the background as well. I mean, do you want to go to the interview now? Or? Yeah, that's that's good. That, yeah. That'll work. Do you want to introduce that, Joseph? Yeah, I spoke with Ratanya Alda, who plays Barney uh, slash Katie. She is the killer in the film, but she's also the nice cafeteria worker. And I spoke to her just uh, just this past Friday, which was, uh, what, two days ago? And, um, yeah, she was really lovely to speak with. So take it away. Burgers. <laughs> hey, what's with Mania, huh? Uh, 
dumped on him. And now she's taken up with the president of Delta Phi. You know, it's not enough that the school tries to screw you. Everybody else has to screw around with everybody else. Watch out. Hey, you got to turn into a cynic. Maybe. Okay, so I guess the universal question today is, how did you become involved with uh, Girls' Night Out? I got involved with Girls' Night Out because I had just finished Mommy Dearest, and they had seen me in Mommy Dearest. Um, so I, uh, they asked me to come in and read for, um, read for the part. So I did. I came in and read for the part. So, um, and then they cast me. So it was pretty simple. I mean, it was like, it was, I, I think that also I uh, was teaching at the time and, uh, um, uh, one of the actors who was the boyfriend of the director, uh, also, uh, was happy that I was involved. So, um, so, uh, but it really, I think it really came from the fact that I was a mommy dearest. And, uh, mommy dearest at the time was like, you know, the big hit cult. It still is <laughs> the cult film. <laughs> Of the last three decades. Oh yeah, it definitely has a fan base. Yeah, it has its fan base. So, so I think that's really the reason they had me in. They thought that would be, you know, um, a good selling point for the film. I think. And what about Hal Holbrook? What was it like working with him? Well, it was very quick because the whole movie was shot on a weekend. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was like a three-day shoot. Like, I mean, everybody lived. I think everybody probably lived on the set. I mean, nobody. I, nobody went home. So uh, I remember, you know, you'd catch some sleep in some little room that had some pillows or something. People, when they weren't working, they were just, uh, you know, trying to find a place to sleep because we had to get it done by that Sunday. I think that was all that, that they had the time and the uh, the location and the money, really. So um, it was a, a long three-day weekend. I mean, practically... Without sleep, and Hal came. Hal just came in for one afternoon. I mean, he wasn't like there with the rest of us, just trying to find a pillow and a place to sleep. He, uh, he just, they just had him in. They had him scheduled in that afternoon for a couple of hours, and uh, and he came in and he did it and he left. So his son David Holbrook was uh, one of the uh, stars of the film, and I think he. I think he came in primarily because his son was in the film and he felt like he had to help out. That was my take on it, whether it was true or not. Now, David has since gone on. I just ran into him. He's gone on to become a therapist. So went to med school. and He quit acting, went to med school, became a therapist in New Jersey. He's very happy. So, uh, But we ran into each other. We're happy to see each other. So, And then I ran into Hal Holbrook last fall when the Academy, when the Academy event um, that they were promoting for the uh, for a film that he was in with Matt Damon, and so he was there, and it was it was lovely to see him. We spoke for about 15 minutes, took a picture together, and everything. He's such a sweet he's a sweet sweet guy, but um, but the length of time he was in was just really too short to. And he was wonderful to work with. It was basically uh, the whole movie was basically like one take, two at the most. So he just went for it. On, one take. If you were lucky, you got a second take. And he was, you know, he's a pro, and he he just did it on the one take. I did it on the one take, and that was basically it. And we said goodbye. <laughs> it 
was almost like a 24-hour shoot. I, I think at one point the uh, DT, his father got very sick or his father died, I forget, and they put in another DP or the assistant DP took over. And, and I don't remember whether the original DP came back or not. I mean, when you're up for three days, things kind of get, you remember moments, but there's not a lot of, you know, you, you, you kind of just struggling to stay awake. So I think everybody was, I think it was hardest on the crew because they did take short breaks, but I mean, they were, they were really, uh, I think it was harder on them even than the actors because the actors would always find like 15 minutes or 30 minutes to lay down somewhere or some corner. But the crew was pretty, you know, they, they, it was pretty intense experience for them. Wow, three days. That is incredible. I mean, that film really comes together. I mean, for what it is, for a three-day shoot, it really stands out. But um, how about behind-the-scenes info? Do you have any kind of... Um, I guess you'd call them anecdotes for things that happened when the cameras weren't rolling? You know, I really don't because I, I basically came in to do my stuff and then I was waiting. And then, you know, when you're, when you're doing film, uh, you know the day's going to be long, but not this long, not, not three days long. But so, you know, you have a little time that you better just lay down. You better just take some time to get quiet. You go over your material. You go over your lines. And um, so it's not like a longer shoot where you have time and you have more, you know, when, you know, regular hours and people go out to dinner and they do all that stuff to, to socialize and get to know each other. This was a, a three-day nonstop filming experience. And so uh, there were, I mean, I don't remember any behind-the-day things because if I wasn't in something, I'd try to take my script or I try to, um, you know, just lay down and get like a half an hour of sleep so I would be coherent or, you know, do my hair or something. So um, so there really wasn't that much. I mean, I, I Julie Montgomery, I know, was in my acting class with me when I was studying with Paul Mann. She was in there for uh, a few months and then she left to go to California. So I kind of knew her. Uh, from the acting class more than I did from the film because we really didn't have, you know, we didn't really work together. The person I really worked with more than anybody was Hal Holbrook. And at the end when I, when, well, it, um, even at the end when I'm there as, as the twin brother, um, it, they rolled me out, you know, I rolled myself out from the thing. It was like, that was like basically by myself. The, the scene basically with Hal Holbrook was me and Hal. And then, you know, uh, the scene in the, in the cafeteria was with the other kids, but it was like, it was so fast that, you know, you was just kind of, your head was kind of whirling around thinking, well, where am I now? Where do I have to go? How much time do I have? Where can I go to, to what corner can I find for my lines? What, what, where can I go just to lie down? So it was, it was like a whirlwind thing. It was like it was an experience like no other that I've ever had making a movie. Let's put it that way. You know, I wasn't sure um, for the longest time if that was you in the freezer because I always thought to myself, "Wow, they really casted an actor who kind of resembles you." But you're saying that it was you. They they put a wig on me and the things that was me. Yeah, you'd think as many times I've seen the film that I would actually pick up on that, but no, I never did. Uh, count that up to ignorance on my part. <laughs> Yeah, I was Dicky. So, uh, so that was, yeah, we did that separately. But we did that. That scene, that was the only scene that wasn't done 
that weekend. Okay. That was the only scene they did separately because they had to have the wig, the makeup person, and that was done. That was the only scene that was done separately. So that was done a separate day. They got that in a couple of hours one afternoon. But everything else was done that weekend. And when they cast you, uh, were you aware that you would turn out to be the murderer, or did you figure that out later during filming? Oh, no, they told me. We discussed the script, and they, they, they told me, so I knew it was. You know, I knew they had the script, so I read it. So I, I knew that there was a killer. It was kind of fun to play a killer. I thought what was interesting is that, see, I think it's interesting to cast a killer against type. <laughs> you know, so, so it doesn't, the first time you see people, it doesn't look like a killer. They look like ordinary people. I think that's always more interesting when they look like ordinary people like I did, and then they turn out to be the crazy killer. Oh, yeah. I know you said you only had uh, three days to shoot the film, but was there any kind of, um, uh, I guess, quick preparation to kind of get into the mindset of being this complete psycho? Well, I always think that people that are psychotic and crazy don't think they're psychotic and crazy. You know, they... They kind of think that they they justify everything, you know, everything they do. They have a rational explanation for, and that's I think what makes it more dangerous. That you know that they look ordinary and they look like they, and, and, and inside all of that, there's a lot of stuff going on, which is which is what makes them you know so unpredictable. And so I I played her very sincerely. I mean I played her like she had every reason to do what she did and she was going to, you know, these people were awful and she was going to uh, to make it right in her mind. So I, I always take it from the character's point of view. Nobody ever thinks they're a bad person. Even the bad people, they don't think, oh, I'm a bad guy or I'm a bad person. So I always take it from the point of view, whatever the character is, that they, you know, they think they're fine. <laughs> they don't think there's anything wrong with them. And they, then they do these horrible things. So... Uh, that to me is interesting. It shows up in the news stories all the time. People say, oh, I didn't know people. Oh, they were so nice. So they were this or they were that, you know. And and it, it shows up in news stories, not all the time, but a lot. So that, we, you know, it, you wonder, people wonder, well, why? They didn't they didn't seem that way to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's what makes it interesting. So I, I thought it was kind of a fun opportunity to play a character probably that I would never have gotten cast so it was nice that I got cast yeah and I think you pulled that off really well because in these types of films you have a character who is essentially a nice person and nine times out of ten they always turn out to be the killer and there's always some kind of craft um, some really good acting that you have to put forth to kind of uh, pull that off to kind of fool the audience and I really think you did a very good job um, you know, playing this nice, normal person who just kind of, uh, I guess, goes bonkers at the end. Oh, thank you. Well, it was fun. You know, it was fun. And it was fun to do. And I, I really think that my scene with Hal is my favorite scene, you know, where where I'm stabbing someone. With an eye. I, I think that in, in that movie it was my favorite scene because it, it had some meat to it. I liked, I liked doing it. Although I think it was, I think we only did, most two takes on that. I think we got in the first take, and I think we might have picked up something in the second take, if I remember. But it was really quick. You know, we had to really just jump in and do it. Okay, I know the film is a little notorious for having, um, uh, I believe it was four writers involved. 
But what about directors? I mean, were there more than one? Because it kind of comes off that way. There was only one director on the set. Um, uh, but I don't know who wrote everything, to tell you the truth. I, I, I don't know. That could be true. Um, I don't know all the people behind the scenes that were involved. I think there were a lot of people involved. And uh, they still owe me $5,000. They never paid me. Oh, no. You know, I've heard a lot of stories like that when I interview people for the show. Um, a lot of people are like, you know, I, I was promised a percentage of the film's profits or a lump sum. And when the day was over, I didn't get a dime. So if you get in contact with uh, whomever's involved, you know, tell them they owe me some money. Oh, yeah. And you know what? It's like gone. But they, you know, it's like when they say, well, we're going to pay you. We're going to pay you the $5,000. We'll pay you. Pay. Of course, it's kissed at Dubai. I'm sure they paid Hal. I'm sure they took his, he, get, he got his money up front. But, you know, it's a lesson. And um, it's a lesson to that. But it's also kind of leaves a bad taste because the actor is the one that always gets screwed. They made money on this movie, you know, with all the sales and all of the, I mean, they made some money. I don't know how much money they made, but it, but it's too bad that the actor is always the one that's the low man on the totem pole. And if you're going to screw anybody, they screw the actor. And it's just really kind of shameful. I, I wish they would kind of not do that. I wish people wouldn't do that. I mean, even if they, like all the low-budget movies today were ultra, ultra low-budget movies. They only paid an actor $100 a day. But, you know, at least pay them that. You know, don't, don't, don't just screw them. <laughs> That's literally what they do. So it's kind of a shame. I, but I'm, I'm fine talking about it. I think, I think they should be shamed. So that, that was my experience with it, with the, the end result is they, they didn't, they never paid me. So. Oh, that's too bad. You know, I think you deserved every bit of that 5000 Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was a three-day three day shoot, but 24-hour day shoot, so I don't know. I think I, I definitely was on the high end of their payroll. I think the other actors, if they got paid, they got a lot less, so maybe they got paid, so who knows. That that's the story. <laughs> yeah, you know, sadly, I guess you can kind of file that under ancient history. It's it's a shame, but I guess you never really will know if they got paid or not. You know what? That's the way it was. Hopefully, it will never happen again. <laughs> you know, but you know, now I if I do something like that, I get a contract or I get some money up front. You know, so that um, that you know I'm protected in some way. And that that's the thing. That's the way it should be. You know, the actors should be protected. But, you know, you live and learn, and those are lessons, and, and, and I'm not, it's not like I'm, I'm reaping about it, it's just that I just thought I would mention it to you, it's just a fact of what happened during that whole movie, but, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think a uh, horror story or not, those kind of uh, tidbits are always kind of interesting to kind of relay to the listeners on the show, because, uh, you know, a lot of these people, you know, look at performances and say, wow, they did a really good job. You know, they must have been, you know, well compensated for their, their time and effort. But the truth is a lot of these shows, um, I'm sorry, movies, they don't really, you know, go about things in a most scrupulous manner. And I guess you were kind of a casualty of that. I'm sorry to hear about that. But anyway, I guess going on to my last question, uh, have you seen the film recently? And overall, what did you think of the finished product? You know, I have not seen it recently. But I was doing a show in 
on Theatre Row in New York last fall and uh, a comedy. And um, somebody came up and said, because, you know, we're limited. In the, although there are only three of us in the cast, they still limit you in terms of what you can put in the program because of space and stuff. So I listed some of my movies, but I didn't list Girls Night Out because I had other movies that I wanted to list. So some fan came up to me after after the show and said, Miss Alda, Miss Alda, you didn't list Girls Night Out. I'm so upset that you didn't list that movie. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, you know, space is limited and we have to, you know, we can't list everything. And Well, next time you do something, you have to li- list Girls Night Out. It's like one of my favorite movies. And I was kind of, I was kind of surprised. I thought, oh, my God, Girls Night Out is one of his favorite movies. <laughs> Apparently, it has a little bit of a following, and people like it. I see it online. People, you know, that people ask about it. They, they like the movie. So, I mean, but I have not, getting back to your question, I have not seen it in years and years, Terry the Juice. It would be interesting probably to see it again after all these years, because uh, when, 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 the person came up to me after the theater and said that he loved that movie. I thought to myself, hmm, maybe I should see that movie again and see what, what that movie is about. Cause, so it, it occurred to me then, I just haven't I haven't looked at it. But I will. You know, I will. It's a good idea to just kind of see it and see how it sits uh, after all these years. So. Yeah, it's an, it's an odd movie. I mean, it, I say that in the nicest way possible because I really do love the film. I mean, it's my pick for the show this week. But um, it, it's odd, and it's it's. I guess the word is um. Well, I, I don't want to say incoherent, but I guess it is incoherent, but in kind of a a, a bizarre way. And it, I mean, it's kind of endearing. And it kind of works, and kind of. I, I guess that kind of lends to its charm almost. <laughs> it's incoherent because I think we were all like like half a. People were like grogging in and out. But you know what? I think it was probably all in the writing too because this was a fast, once they cast it, they did it really fast. So I think a lot of it was probably incoherent a little bit because it wasn't given enough time to set up the, the thing and to do it. I think they just got it. They probably had the money for it and they said, let's just do it now before we lose the money or before something happens. So it was kind of thrown together like in the, in the kitchen. You put in this and this and this and this. they say, go for it, you know. So the mix was there and people said, go for it. Because it happened really fast. And the whole thing was put together really fast. So uh, my guess is that that's why it might be slightly incoherent. But you know, it's good that it's charming in some way. I think a lot of the young actors were very charming and very sweet. The ones that I met. I mean, I really, except for Julie, I really didn't know anybody else. But, uh, you know, it was a nice mixture of young people that were, I think, there. And I think that, that they were charming. You're right. They, they were very charming young people. Well, yeah, I guess that's about it for the questions. But I do want to thank you again for taking the time out of your day to kind of answer them for everybody. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm sorry I didn't have any juicy little tidbits because what happened is. Um, I just, you know, it's one of, like I said, it's one of those movies where it's, it's three days only. And usually on movies longer, you get to know people and you tap and you get to, like the background stuff. But it was such a whirlwind that, uh, you know, like getting through it was such a challenge. Three day wake up. 
waking, you know, being awake for three days because those little 15 minute naps really don't do it, you know. But it was, you know, it was done. And I have to say in a way that I kind of admire, I, I do admire the fact that they did pull it off. I mean, it was kind of admirable. So um, with all the stuff that happened and I, with losing the DP and having to, to you know, and it was like that was the fact that they even finished it was kind of admirable. So, you know, and it's out there and people enjoy it. You know, some people enjoy it. And I'm, I'm grateful. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to be part of someone's entertainment. It's great. That's what I want to do. That's, that's why I became an actress is to really give people some kind of pleasure or thrill or scare them or something, you know, something that'll make it fun for them. And, and I'm glad that in some ways Girls Night Out does that. Katie? Katie Kavanaugh? I'm not Katie. Uh, Ratanya Alda again and thanks again Ratanya uh, hope you're listening um, I will be sending this link to you so thanks again I'm sure we all appreciate it is that right? Yeah. No, it's yes, great yes very much and star yeah. of one of my favourite 80s films Amityville 2 yes and Mommy Dearest of course of course and When a Stranger Calls and Vigilante yeah. and The Stuff she's in Christmas Evil as well yeah wow what a roll call I know um, Maybe we can talk to her. When we do cover some of those other movies, maybe she'll be, um, I'm sure she'll be nice enough to come back and talk about those. So that was, she's always a good, I've heard her being interviewed before and she's always, always good fun. So it was nice to get that. Um, I, you know, I'd know, the only thing I was a bit confused about was she saying she, she worked three days, didn't she? But the whole shoot wasn't three days, was it? It was. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, maybe I can't she'll. Imagine. Uh, no, I can't imagine it was shot in three days. No, no. I mean, obviously that whole thing. Her, I'm not sure, but. Hal Holbrook was so obvious, wasn't it? Especially that shot when he comes into the cafeteria and he's kind of looking, they kind of turn to look at him. He's obviously not really there. Well, as in, because he shot all his scenes, didn't she, in a day or something? Yeah. And when he's talking to Pryor, they're never in the same shot together. No. It's only when he's got with his, his son, isn't it? Uh, David Holbrook, Holbrook, who has got that scene with him on the bench. Um, I don't, are they in the same shot together in that scene? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I mean, I suppose, because I think that was probably the only reason that he came onto the movie, wasn't it? Because his yeah. son wanted to, you know, have a shot at fame. Um, Did you guys think... notice? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Justin. Oh, sorry. That was rude of me. That's all right. Uh, I was just going to say, did you notice that Pryor's, or, or the flashback, or actually the flashback to when Pryor got slapped by Sheila is different than what we saw? Really, oh. like, you know, the, the, mm. the flashback scene is like a different shot scene or something. Oh, I didn't okay. notice that. No. Yeah. It's a different take, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a different take. They used a different take for the flashback, which was kind of an interesting choice for me. Hmm. Well, he kind of reminded me of, um, of it's a bit of an Inga moment, wasn't it, with that when he said, <laughs> when he stormed out. 
<laughs> it was a bit. Did you guys think? Didn't he have a right to be upset though? I think so. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he did. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but it was kind of because I mean I don't want to be horrible, but he wasn't exactly the the best looking actor in that film, was he? Um, and he's who was the best being, looking actor in that film? <laughs> who was? Well, I don't know the. Well, there was a couple of a bit of eye candy, wasn't there? No, Benson. Benson, no. I thought well, Benson was. He got well, he got stabbed, didn't he? Yeah, he's the one who got. Yeah, he got um, killed yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah, he was the original mascot. Yeah. Mm. What about the bear? I think Eric likes the bear. No, yes. I was going to say I was going to say that's one of the things about the film that is a bit ludicrous is the bear costume for the killer. Oh. I think it's great. I think it's so no, it odd. Is. It is. It's fun and it's odd, but it's also a tad ludicrous. No, yeah, yeah. I think that's what gives it its charm. That is, yeah, so I, think, I do. I do. I think it gives it a charm as well. Yeah, but it's also the good thing about it's that not kind of it's the the best possible kind of um, um, outfit, isn't it, for the killer to wear? Because they would never be suspected, even though they're wearing a really ridiculous costume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, coming off of that, you you know, in a lot of these movies where the killer wears. Uh, black gloves or kind of tight-fitting uh, outfits. You 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 can tell if it's a, f- a male or a female. And here mm. you have no idea because the the outfit is so bulky. Mm. Except there's one scene like when the killer's leaving the bell tower and they're walking. I was watching it with a friend of mine, Melissa, and when the killer was walking away, she was looking. She goes, "That's a woman." She's like, "You can tell by the way they're walking." I was like, "Oh, okay." <clears throat> Interesting. I mean, I very much doubt it was Tanya. Um, older in that in that suit was it, it but well, it may actually yeah. been a stunt woman mm. Mm. okay well have we got any any uh background information joseph you want to share um well obviously it's also known as the scare maker mm. and a, uh, it's also a pretty good movie <laughs> oh I didn't hear that. Okay. <laughs> According to us, anyway. So no, that's. I mean, that's that's pretty much all I have is everything from the interview. So, anyone else? Okay, I have a few things. Of course, I think we've discussed this before. Lauren Marie Taylor, who plays Sheila, is married to the guy who played Bostwick, who is John mm-hmm. Didrich, Didrichson. Um, they've been married since 1983, uh, and you've met uh, Lauren Marie Taylor at one of the horror conventions. Yes. Yes. And I did speak to uh, Bostwick over the phone at the convention. Cool. Yeah. Um, James Carroll, who plays Teddy in the film, he was also in He Knows You're Alone, which was made two years prior to this film. And speaking of prior, David Holbrook uh, went on to appear as the wonderfully titled Fatso Gribbons in the <laughs> Old Chief Woodenhead episode of Creepshow 2. Gets uh, an arrow through the throat. Yeah. Yes. And if my memory serves me correctly, doesn't he vomit on a pinball machine? Yes, or yes. he tries to vomit over it, but I think some of it lands on the pinball machine. All right. We'll have to and then the, the lovely Sam Whitemoon tells him to forget what he saw. <laughs> and he had put on some weight between Girls Not Out and Creepshow 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Mm. Now, would you like him in Creepshow 2, Eric? No. <gasps> Why not? Why not? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't fancy everyone. It's like saying, If he had a beard, if he had a beard. Well, maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, he also went on to have small roles in Vampire's Kiss and Return to Salem's Lot, but I haven't seen either of those films, so maybe he has. Vampire's Kiss, is that the one with Nick Cage? I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, the one where he eats a cockroach, I think. Yeah. Yes. That's right. He actually mm-hmm. eats the cockroach in that movie. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when this, uh, getting back to about behind the scenes, apparently it was filmed in Uppsala College in East Orange, New York. Is East Orange anywhere near South Pineapple? I don't know. No. Is it, was it New York? Because I remember the uh, the back of the DVD said it was an Ohio college, so I yeah. wasn't sure. Mm. Yeah. Well, this this is just random information I took from a book. I haven't verified the source or anything. Um, okay. And when it was released in the UK and Ireland in December of 1986, it was cut by 22 whole seconds, which I assume mm. was just blood gushing from wounds and, and things, because there's not that yeah. much explicit violence in the film. And that's all the uh, information I have. Okay, Nathan, do you have anything? Um, well, the one thing I do have is that even though this movie does feature a scavenger hunt, it did not actually invent them. Hmm. hmm. I thought it did. Wow. <laughs> it didn't invent Carol King's Tapestry album either, but it did invent the process of hiding it in a tree. Uh, it did. It did. You know, the one thing, before we go on to any more background information, the one thing I forgot to mention when we were actually talking about the film is the the heavy use of uh, Golden Oldies on the soundtrack. Yeah, that must have cost I mean, a pretty penny. I yeah, I, I wonder how much they spent on a lot of the uh, the rides for, you know, mm. yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy, and Summer yeah. in the City, and You yeah. Didn't Have to Be So Nice. There's a lot of Love and Spoonful songs on the uh, soundtrack there. Mm. That's a good soundtrack. Yeah, it is a good soundtrack. I, I like, like that music. Yeah. But I can't imagine it came cheap to get those songs because they're, you know, very, very well-known songs. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of them by the same, is it the Loving Spoonful or whatever? Yeah, the Loving yeah. Spoonful. And it's kind of, it's mostly their songs, isn't it? They must have got a job lot. You would have thought. <laughs> Maybe somebody yeah. knew the bass player or something. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. Justin, I'm sure you have some background info. I do have a bit, a bit on on it. Um, it's Eric was right. It was uh, filmed in Uppsala College in East Orange, New Jersey, uh, um, standing in for um, Dewitt College in Ohio. Uh, Eric said New York, I think. Yeah, well, I think. Well, it says what I've seen. It's New Jersey, but okay. um, but it's she does. Um, uh, well, I was probably was wrong. It? Sorry. It probably was New Jersey. Well, she does the um, Julie Montgomery says on the there's an interview on the Shriek Show um, disc uh, with her, and she says they shot in in New York. But I don't know how interchangeable those those are. You know, I don't think I think well, basically, I've I've looked up this college because um, I tried to find out if there's any information about it being filmed there, and I found quite a few references, but not to to exactly nail down exactly when it was filmed. Um, but um, the college now apparently has been knocked down. It was knocked down in about 1995, or parts of it being knocked down. Because um, the thing that I was... It was obviously filmed in 1982, but I don't know whether or not it was filmed in early 1982 or late 1982, because obviously it's filmed in wintertime, isn't it? Or full-time. It was kind of... It was it was cold mm. anyway, wasn't it? It definitely um, has those uh, 81 to 82 kind of fashion sense mm, going on. Mm. Well, the film got um, it was released because I've actually got I've got one sheets original one sheets for the film. It was released originally as a scare maker in 1983 uh, and on a kind of limited release, and um, uh, then it got re-released in 1984 more widely under the title Girls Night Out. 
um, which which we heard the trailer for, and that was a kind of really l- played up the really lurid kind of uh, angles for the for the um, uh, for the trailer, and also the, yeah, re- uh, I'm sorry, released here um, to video in '84 to '85 on the Thorn HBO Thorn EMI okay. label. Yeah, well, the things I've got from um, I'm just having a look to see when uh, when Variety said um, that it was on release in june uh, 1984 uh sort of um and so maybe it came out on video maybe later in the year but it had been on release in um in march of 1983 under the Scaremaker um uh, sort of title with um i playing du- uh, not double bill but the same cinemas as sophie's choice which would have been interesting mm. um, sort of mix, <laughs> wow. but, yes what a double um, bill the film was known as Criendo El Terra in Spain, but in France it was called Radio Crochets, which is kind of slightly <laughs> bizarre. Uh, I mean, crochet Radio probably means crochets. something else in France, but I don't know. Um, James well, Carroll was aged 32 in this, so as um, not quite as old as Carolyn Monroe in Slaughter High, but certainly getting up there in age for a supposed college student. Um, so I still I still haven't solved the the problem the issue of when exactly it was filmed. It was obviously filmed in 1982. Um, the what I did stumble across was that um, there are other um, names. The film it was actually it was actually filmed under a different different title completely. Um, um, the original script, which was copyrighted in um, November 1981, was Final Clue. Um, and that was when it was registered with the copyright, um, whatever, um, in, in, in 1981. So it's obviously written to kind of cash in, obviously, on the slasher movie. It was obviously, we'd know. But it was also, um, the actual film itself was uh, copyrighted in December of 1982. Um, and under a different name, it was copyrighted under the name The Scaremaker, but also with AKAs of Girls' Night Out and um, Blood Games was another aka for the film i don't think it ever got released anywhere under those titles but that's one of the the akas for it um i was trying to think what else uh well, well while you're thinking was, uh, yeah i can just confirm that crochet is the french word for hook so it's radio hooks radio hooks okay mm. Mm, interesting mm. thank you for that that's all um the the other the taglines it's got loads of different taglines isn't it it was kind of they all went in but only a few got out um another one is the next time you go to a fancy dress party check out who's going with you um it began as a game um and the one that makes the least amount of sense is one by one he killed them until he was trapped in his own game yeah, that makes, makes no sense no sense, yeah. no sense, at, no sense at, all. at all no no I do, one of the things on the because it got released on video in the uk um in the early 80s under the vtc label which is the one they release things like um uh, revenge of the bogeyman superstition um i'm not sure if it's uncut but it was released as a scare maker and i think as i said on my review on hysteria lives it always makes me laugh because it says uh, it plays up the kind of the sexy inverted commas angle and it says that sensuous ladies adorn the screen from the beginning to the end and of course the um the first <laughs> lady on screen is a uh, is an elderly um psychiatric nurse who's hardly <laughs> sensuous but um, and the, the, as we heard the theatrical trailer sort of plays that angle as well it's like mm. some woman in a bed who's not actually in the film 
um, it narrates the, th- the trailer and makes it sound like it's full of topless women when it's actually Yeah, not. even the PR, even the PR for this film was just schizophrenic. So, I mean, they couldn't pick, you know, they just couldn't decide what this movie really was. No, oh, and Justin, no. you obviously weren't listening to me when I was giving my behind the scenes, but it was cut by 22 seconds for its UK video release. But didn't you say 1986? Yeah, that was in 1986. It wasn't released before that, apparently, according to the BBFC website. Oh, that was its it, first, that's its first entry for Scaremaker. It was, well, it was, but it probably just wasn't um, submitted for... Oh, um, right. Sorry. Be- oh, I, because, I take Yeah. No, it's... Because I don't think it's, it got... It's it a pre-cert cinema release. Yeah, it was a pre-cert. Um, oh, right. So it must have been released before 1984 or 1983. Um, but it didn't, it didn't get a cinema release in the UK, so it was never, as far as I'm aware, because if it had been, then it would have had a BBFC kind of um, uh, sort of um, sort of entry before that time. So... Yeah, don't question me, Eric. Sorry. Only, only joking. Uh, but I think that's... <laughs> I'm I looking that's... at another um, terrific uh, video cover here. I don't know where it's from. I'm trying to find out where it's from. But it's got the very final shot of Rutania Alda as her dead brother mm. uh, as the video cover. And then a few um, stills from the film in the background. Okay. Uh, well, it's under the title The Scaremaker. So it looks like it could be an English language release somewhere. But it's actually... Mm. Interesting cover. Okay, okay. Well, it's inter- I mean, that, that, that's one of the things that made me laugh, actually, um, hardest with the whole of this film, was when Hal Holbrook um, works out that Ratanya Elder is, in fact, um, the killer. Because even though he, he's, you know, he's known her for years, and he obviously knew Dickie Kavanagh, he hasn't twigged that she's a spitting image of her dead brother. <laughs> and to get her to do that to get him to actually come to that conclusion he kind of he he sort of um he's got a picture of her hasn't he or or of him and then draws the hair him, on yeah, and draws long hair on it and says and oh. then goes oh my god they're the same person or well you know, it's that whole related. um oh i never knew diana prince was really wonder woman type thing yeah yeah or no i well, think the worst example- for, he was only there for one day so cut him mm-hmm. some slack <laughs> but do the we, worst do example actually... of that is Prince Adam and He-Man. I mean, He-Man yeah. is basically Prince Adam in a pair of underpants, and people yeah. can't tell it's the same person. Or Superman, Superman with the glasses. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Do we actually know why the killer, why um, Barney was doing all of this? Well, I guess I assume she was just a loony bin. I mean, she was just a Looney Tunes. Mm. Uh, she had this thing, you know, her brother was driven to the mental institution by all these kind of zany college kids. And I guess she just kind of thought they were all uh, bad she people. S- and she snapped when she hanged himself or, or something. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think, do you think, because the, the, the way, I don't know if it is by accident or by design, but you still, the way the camera lingers on Dickie Kavanagh is, and because he sat, isn't he, in a chair or a wheelchair and he's got the, the glove the the glove um well the bear's hands the bear with claw, the yeah. knives and it's kind of you kind of expect him to either wink or turn to the camera or do something he doesn't and i don't know whether it was on purpose or not but it just leaves it slightly ambiguous about whether or not there's some kind of supernatural something supernatural going on in this and whether or not he he was actually in on it and he's still alive or undead and did you get that from there no, I just, no. I mean, it's an interesting take, but I guess for me, I just thought, you know, you know, what made it creepy for me was the the music and the slow zoom and the fact that she actually had him in the freezer the whole time. Hmm. Yeah, but I she, never picked any supernatural element from the film well, at all. Just, it just but left guess, it ambiguous. 
it's mm. ambiguous because it could have been it's because the way that she'd put the 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 bloody glove was he was holding it as if he'd been doing the killing mm. but um but I'm sure that are not a lot of thought went into that I don't think they probably just thought it'd be a cool shot to end the movie on I imagine and it really yeah. was <laughs> mm. So, yeah, I, I guess one thing, uh, another thing I guess we kind of glossed over is, I mean, I mentioned it a few minutes ago, was the fashions. I mean, what did you guys think of uh, Charlie, the the DJ, his his really gaudy jackets he wore? Mm. Oh, wicked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With his little bow tie and his kind of Yeah, satin. his little bow tie, yeah. Mm. Well, that's the thing. Fashion changes so quickly, doesn't it? And I would imagine when that film came out in 1984 – it must have looked so old-fashioned, wasn't it, in 1984? Eric's obviously the, the reigning um, <laughs> 80s fashion guru. Um, well, I don't know. It's all uh, from 1980 to 1989 does look all very dated to me in a wonderful way. So, But I can't tell the subtleties between 1982 and 1984, to be honest. I, I mean, I think I can, I can see it's a 19... I always thought it didn't look like a 1984 movie because there's no leg warmers and, um, uh, you know, the... Um, you know, you've got that really chunky knitwear yeah. that people wore in 1982, but they wouldn't have worn... Well, they might have, but they would have more liked to have had pictures of Michael Jackson or something or, you know, on them rather in 1984 rather than in 1982. So it just or just screamed to me, 1982. Yeah, me too. Mm. So is there anything else we'd like to say, Joseph? This is your pick. Do you want to... No, like I guess that's Girls' Night Out. I mean... I, yeah, I mean, I, I really do love the film because it's so schizophrenic. I mean, that's why I picked it. I just, I just think it's an unusual, interesting film. Mm. Excellent. Okay. What about you, Nathan? Anything you want to say? Um, I'm a fan. Excellent. Okay. What about you, um, Eric? Anything you want You're, to say? You are all whores. <laughs> well, thank you. You will not forget this. <laughs> yes. Okay. Slap. <laughs> Well, shall we? Let's go on to feedback. Um, and before we do that, I shall play uh, the feedback contact details. So, um, if you've enjoyed the show, if you haven't enjoyed it, then please let us know. And this is how. Be sure to search for and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at THC underscore podcast. Our voicemail is 858-233-9281. And you can email us directly at the.hysteria.continues at gmail.com. Okay. So do write in or phone in. We haven't got any voicemails uh, this time. Um, Have we got... I've got a couple of um, emails to read out. Uh, I, I have go? one. I'll I'll go first. I'll just get this okay. one out of the way. This is from uh, Giovanni Barunda. He mm. says, "Hello, fine gents. I really enjoyed the hell out of the last two podcasts. I got to meet one of the stars of the original Hills Have Eyes over the weekend at Days of the Dead in Los Angeles. I get yeah, and talked to her about how I both find the original film both good and disturbing. She agreed." with me about the film, the rape scene, in fact, uh, that was really well done and very disturbing. I'm surprised you guys didn't bring up the remakes. You guys normally comment on the remakes of any films that you review. Uh, I guess we did not in our Hills Have Eyes episode. But anyway, he says, I have never even, I've never seen Slaughter High until this past week. It's been in my collection for a few months, but when I heard you were reviewing it, I had to check it out. 
it's a strange film that I both like and dislike at the same time. Uh, I think it was Joseph who said that the film has a very trauma humor to it, which really kept me from loving it. I think if the filmmakers would have done the film straight, then it would have made for a really good and scary film. But all the excess just really dragged it down for me. The casting, the score, the characters. Wow, and I thought I disliked Prom Night's characters, and that's a big... Because <gasps> I like Prom Night's characters. Mm, yeah. Would you not too. agree me with too. me? Yes, yes. Yeah. But anyway, Giovanni goes on to say... At least in Prom Night, the original, I really felt for the killer in the film and really understood him instead of most of the cast in the film. I'll save my Prom Night rant for when you review that film. LOL. In this film, I didn't feel anything for anyone, and that's, and that's at the point. Uh, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting the. I'm, no offense, but I'm getting the impression that English may not be his first language. But anyway, he says, it just seems like a series of scenes and lame jokes. I really got the feeling that this film was meant to be a spoof of the genre, and I understood that, but I thought it failed as a story and a film because it just went so overboard. But despite the flaws, I really liked a lot of the film. I did like the main story, some of the camera movements, uh, the one takes, and the vibe of the of the of a lot of the slasher films later on in the film. Uh, okay. The film got a lot better as it went along. By the end, I didn't like the film as much as I wanted to, but I think with more watchings, I will like it a bit more. I think now that I know what to expect, I will enjoy it a bit more. I also picked up Bloody Moon, and I loved it. I just reheard the podcast you did on that film. Thanks for making me pick it up. Loved it. Oh, Inga, how could they laugh at you, LOL? (laughs) By the way, speaking of your next podcast, my short film is titled The Friday Night Frights. I named after Girls' Night Out, Small World. Looking forward to the next one, guys. Giovanni Barunda. Thank you, Giovanni. Yes, thank Um, you. Always good to hear from you. Um. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Sort of, uh, it's always interesting to hear what people think of the uh, the choices we make for the podcast. Um, so, yeah, but it's interesting, especially to hear what people think of seeing something like Slaughter High for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. I would we, did, agree. we we did completely forget to mention yeah. the pod, the remakes of Hills of Eyes on the podcast we did, mm-hmm. which was a, an oversight. Both. I liked the first one. I didn't like the. Second I liked one. the first one too. Mm. That's all I have to say. Okay. <laughs> it was very strong, very effective. Uh, second one seemed very rushed and very trashy and not that interesting. Hmm. Well, I agree with Eric 100%. Yay. Excellent. We'll see. We're all making up. We're all friends here, yes, aren't we, we are. Eric? Yeah, we are. Yes. Might I remind you that Nathan is in the lead with five points. Nathan Sha-la-la-la. has <laughs> Yeah, well, can I remind everyone that it's a two-part quiz? Two and, parts. And the friendship has disintegrated. Yeah. Yes. Well. Okay. Well, thank you, Giovanni. I shall. Shall I go next? I've got. A, I've got a big one here. Um, yeah. Ooh. Um, it hurts when I sit down. <laughs> oh well. I think we should give ourselves a little um, something, shouldn't we? Well, I would do if I could. Let me find it. I seem to have lost it. Where's that? Where have I dropped that off? Um, let me get it out. Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> now we need two. Well done, yeah. <laughs> Doctor. Is it? Yes, but of course it's fairly easy to get it up. It's getting it to stay up. That's what counts. Oh, yeah. I thought I'd, I thought I'd um, misplaced it, but um, I managed to pull it off. So, 
This is from our friend Terry in Belgium, and he says, As usual, your podcast is awesome, and I like every minute of it. I would like to wish Eric a happy birthday. I know his oh, birthday is already over, February, but better late than never. Oh, thank sweet, you, Terry. Eric. Yeah. Um, Justin and Joseph, or was it Nathan? I know you will have a birthday soon. I do not forget it. Justin, I think you'll turn 42. Am I right? Um no, he's you're wrong, not right, Terry? You are wrong, <laughs> but but um, bless you. I thought for she was forty-two. No, already. No, yeah, he I'm, was. I was forty-two a couple of years ago or a year ago. Oh, um, whoa! Oh, I know. Justin, Justin. I, well, I, might I say old. that Justin actually looks a lot like he's twenty-five? That is true. It's all that clean so, living. Yeah, yeah, it's all that clean living. All that um, yeah. overproof rum. So yeah. it's pickled. That he spills at wherever. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Terry goes on to say, uh, you've not seen Mask yet, but um, obviously, but I certainly, it certainly deserves a viewing. Um, and he's mentioned this before about it being a German giallo and a homage to Dario Argento's Suspiria. Um, he sent me a picture, actually. He met Dario Argento and he, um, at something called Biff. So I don't know, it's not like Biffa. You know, do you have Biffers in Ireland, Eric? Biffers? Biffers, no, it's probably just British. It's it's a British term for um, uh, a woman built like a brick shithouse. All right. A Biffa. <laughs> but I think Biff is something Biff, different. Biff it's Tannen? Obviously... Biff Tannen? Biff Tannen? What is Biff Tannen? It's the bully That's from Back, back to the, the Future. future. Okay, he was in right, April Fool's yeah. Day as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, Terry goes on to say that he asked Dario Argento if he'd seen it, but he, he said he hadn't. Um, in uh, Actually, just talking about that, um, Suspiria, very quickly, I don't know if you saw that that post from Starburst, which is an old uh, sort of science fiction horror magazine from the UK, and there was a um, um, one of the people who commented on our, one of the Facebook groups had mentioned there was a great horror um, uh, sort of uh, sort of issue which had Halloween 2 on the front even though they hated Halloween 2 um, also had an article on X-Ray and they hated X-Ray um, so they hated everything in it but they did have a retrospective of Suspiria and there was this have I did we mention this in the last podcast I can't remember if I did I don't or think not. so no. no we'll just say there was a scene um, supposedly cut from the movie of the the creepy butler being sliced in half um, and all his entrails falling out onto the floor um, and they said it was in the Italian print. Now, I can't imagine that actually exists, but maybe it does. And if you know it does, let me know. But I would have thought it would have turned up by now, wouldn't it? Surely would have, yeah. It would have done, but um, yes. Okay, well, just go. I shall uh, rattle through this, but say um, the Biff is one of the oldest festivals, so now we know what it is, devoted to the fantastic genre. Uh, I think it was the 30th uh, edition. Um he says he's seen a lot of horror films. He saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. He said, awful, unlikable characters. The 3D is useless, the writing terrible, and the ending was really bad. Um, and it was a what-the-fuck ending, but not in a good way. So obviously didn't didn't like that very much. Um, the Maniac remake, uh, which he said he was slightly disappointed with, and he said it was an okay movie. Um, but the relation between Frank and Anna was far more believable than in the original version. Um, I've not seen that yet have we have any of you guys seen it no i really want to yeah i just wish they'd release it over here Mm. haven't they done that already or i don't think so i mean if they had i would have seen it by now okay because i'm really looking forward to i think i'm the only one i mean i know i'm the only one on the show who really loves the original maniac i don't Mm. know if you guys do or i like it but i don't love it 
Yeah, same yeah. here, really. Yeah. Um, okay, well, it just goes on. To, uh, Terry also sees saw a film called Ghost Graduation, which is as an outstanding, fantastic comedy Spanish film where the characters are uber likable, it's entertaining, a lot of fun, well written, and really funny. It says if you like The Breakfast Club, so this one be one for you, Eric. Oh, you I love like The Breakfast it, Club. And has a strong 80s vibe throughout the movie. Um, and lastly, he says he also saw Stitches, which we just talked about, the Irish Slash movie. Um, uh, he says it's only worth it for the inventive killings, for example, the Umbrella Murder. Um, Agreed. Is that a similar Umbrella Murder to the one in um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2? Do you remember mm. that one? Where he could stab someone with an umbrella and then opens it up. Yeah, it is a little similar, but sort it's a lot of, more gore. Yeah. It's gorier, much, much gorier here. Okay, okay. Um, there's a few more bits. He just says, um, now about Slaughter High, he has the DVD, but it's a French one with no bonus materials. He says he really likes the, the slash movies. The murders are varied, inventive, and some scenes are suspenseful. And he says he likes the, the music, even if it's very similar to Friday 13th. Um, he says, I do agree about the character of Marty. I do not feel real empathy for him. He's too weird and is responsible for his own accident. I mean, who would put acid, uh, put an acid recipient there? Um, the actors are way too old to be teenagers, but it's part of the fun. Um, English not being my mother tongue, I speak French. I was not able to see whether the actors' accents were phony or not. Um, he says, like Eric said, the budget for this film was really low, but not appear on screen. And I mean, it was a well-done movie, professionally made. Uh, he goes on to say, Justin said you would reevaluate Final Exam with two-star rating, but I think you should reevaluate other slasher movies like Superway Camp and Chopping Mall. Um, I might get back to that. I don't know. I have to see. Um, it's, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because some of those reviews are written almost 15 years ago, um, and my opinions have changed, as anyone listening to this podcast will realise that quite often I shock Nathan by liking some movies more now than you may have expected um what do, do you guys i mean fantastic yeah yeah i mean but that that's that's the same it must be for you guys as well mustn't it there's sort of um i think eric you've mentioned sort of watching films where you thought you were hoping for a, another friday 13th for a or another yeah. halloween or something or my bloody valentine and it's something much more left field and it, it's disappoint disappointing perhaps at the time oh completely but, um, yeah yeah but I think like, Slaughter High is the one that I've most changed on. I mean, I used to like really dislike it, but I, I found that I liked it a lot this time. Mm, mm, yeah, fair enough. Um, do 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 do. Uh, just just a couple of little bits here. He just says you talked a little bit about slash movie soundtracks, and to me, Carpenter is the best American composer for the horror genre. Um, he has no musical formation. I say bravo to Carpenter. Christine the Fog, Prince of Darkness, all those scores are purely brilliant. Um, uh, he says, um, okay, he says, there's a question to round off. He says, a question for you guys. What are the last horror movies you bought? Uh, Eric, um, what have you let been me have buying? A look at my DVD shelf. <laughs> um... Uh, oh, Phantasm 2 Blu-ray, I think. Mm. Uh, the Scream Factory one. It's probably my most recent purchase. And an excellent one, too. How about you, Joseph? Have you been buying any DVDs recently? Or are you kind of been watching uh, them online? I've been a little lax with my purchases, but I think the last Blu-ray I purchased was uh, Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Cool. And what about you, Nathan? 
Oh, the last DVD I bought was Death Nurse. Blimey. <laughs> they put that on DVD? Yeah, that's yes. I'm surprised, Dave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just wait till I pick it. Oh, yes. Oh. Okay, right. I think mine, actually, I think it's one you sent me, Eric, which was um, The Picks, which mm. we talked about last time. So, um, uh, and just finishing off, uh, Terry says, for him, it was Sleepaway Camp 3, um, which he likes, but certainly not as good as the first one. Um, and Grizzly, starring Christopher George, um, which is basically exactly the same yeah. story as Jaws, um, but Jaws is a much better movie. Uh, he says he has to agree with Eric. Uh, it says the whole movie is great. No, no, the first part, Jaws is my favourite movie of all time. I think he's talking about you. Did you criticise Jaws, Eric? Uh, I didn't criticise it. I do love Jaws, but I prefer Jaws 2, I think, which is an unusual opinion, yes. I think. Yes. I do too. I think it's a more entertaining movie. It's more fun to watch, or, yeah. The, fir- the first one's a better film, but the, the second yeah. one's a better movie. Yeah. Well, Grizzly's a lot of fun as well, isn't it? I really like it Grizzly. Is. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a slasher movie with bears, isn't it? Mm hmm. So, um, and uh, Terry bids us a fond adieu uh, and says, um, have a very good day and keep up the good work as usual. So thank you very much, Terry. Thanks, um, Terry. Yeah, it was good to hear thank from you. you. So I've got one, I've got a little one here to read <laughs> out. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Has anyone got, <laughs> who else has got something? Okay, I'm just reading, um, there's two posts, recent posts on our Facebook page. Uh, mm. One is from Brian Finley. He says, just started listening to your podcast. Really enjoy it. Just like to ask, are there any slasher movies that you feel were genuinely nasty, offensive, or mean-spirited? I've always had a problem with the way the tone shifts in Cherry Falls, jumping between silly comedy and a story about gang rape and child abuse. It's never quite sat right with me. Uh, and that's from Brian Finley. So any slasher movies we think are mean-spirited or nasty? Well, it's, it's, I kind of guess with, um, uh, you know, today's choice, it's got that uh, that thing never quite sits right with me, the kind of the whole slut whore bitch sort of hissing that the, the killer does, that it doesn't sit, doesn't sit very, it's not, a, it's not an easy bedfellow with, um, with the porky style humour. Or the kind of you know the the you know the basically the the college kids having fun, it's it's got that kind of weird juxtaposition which I find not bad, but it's it doesn't it's quite jarring, and I've always found Maniac um, particularly mm. mean spirited. So, and That's probably fun. New York Ripper, maybe. Yeah, New York Ripper. It's it's not film. They're not films I particularly want to return to very often. I've always said that I, I much prefer kind of popcorn slashers to mm. the more gritty, realistic ones, or even yeah, so not necessarily realistic, but yeah. And I'm uh, not a fan of, you know, like movies like there's a new movie that had come out called Kidnapped, and, mm. you know, it was basically a, a home invasion movie. Um, but to me, you know, and spoilers, if anybody hasn't seen Kidnapped, skip ahead, spoilers. Um, it's just one of those movies where, you know, it's. It's depressing from beginning to end. Uh, there, there's no retribution. There's no, you know, it's not a fun movie. It's just a movie that just makes you, I don't know, feel bad from beginning to end. It's not mm. scary. It's just, you know, it's like it's a hopeless film, I guess. It makes everything is hopeless. You know, there's there's no escape. There's no anything. And movies like that, I just don't see the appeal of, I guess. I'll throw Eden Lake under the fire. Yeah, even though it's not a slasher as such, but it's it does close it. enough. Mm. Yeah, so I suppose there is a few then. 
yeah, yeah. nasty okay. mean spirited ones I suppose the host- even though they're not they're not um, slashers either hostile films are kind of grim I find you know, the, the first hostile I think is kind of it's it's almost playful I mean it kind of, it is mean spirited in spots but I think a lot of it's kind of almost subtly jokey but the second one really is just kind of grim mm. I did I did uh, I do enjoy well enjoy is probably the wrong word I did like the two films but uh, yeah I did find them kind of grim to be honest. I didn't like Hostel 2. I liked the first Hostel. Mm. We've talked about this before, haven't we? Because I actually prefer yeah. the sequel yeah. to... Yeah, to I, need to see, I need to see Hostel 2 again because I only saw it at the theatre and I haven't seen it since. But mm. Okay, I have one other here from uh, Dale Roy who po- posted on our Facebook page. He said, just discovered the podcast a few months ago. I'm absolutely loving it. The Slaughter High episode was fantastic. Uh, love the flushing cat clip. Cool bastard twist this time. Uh, keep up the good work, guys, and that's cheers from Dale Roy, who is part of the Exploited Cinema podcast. Thank okay, you, Dale. Excellent. Thank you, Dale. Thank yes, you. We, did, we, we didn't get the cat out this this uh, podcast, sadly. No, but we will yeah. get the cat out at yes. some point. Because that bastard <laughs> remix back. has been going around in my head for the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. He'll be back. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get that out again at some point soon. Mm-hmm. Um, has anyone else got anything? Anything else? No. No, okay. Um, I'm just, I have actually got another bit of feedback, but I just realised I haven't um, put the person's name next to it, which is which is uh, rather daft of me. So um, let me, uh, what I'll do, I'll, oh, I'll read it out. Um, and I'm going to have to have a look while we're talking. I'm going to have to have a look to see who, who it's from. But it's, hi guys, love the double bills. Please keep them coming. On a sad note, perhaps overshadowed by the death of Roger Ebert, Bloody Moon director Jess Franco passed away at the age of 82. Franco was a true cinema iconoclast, and his jazz, hazy films will always be dear to my heart. Shifting gears, I was wondering if perhaps the hysteria continues needs donations. I know many other popular podcasts do fun stuff like uh, donation for a fan-requested movie review. If so, it might be fun to squeeze it, squeeze in a fan-requested mini-review during recently seen. Maybe the donator could pick a specific car, um, sorry, host to do a review, um, and it wouldn't even necessarily have to be a slasher fic. One last thing, do you consider Amateurville 2, The Possession, a slasher? I do. You should do too, and give it a review. Thanks, gentlemen. P.S. Top three cheesiest sex scenes, double entendre provided. So, <laughs> so talk about yourselves. I've got to find out who that was because I rather stupidly copied that feedback and didn't write it. So, okay, Amityville Two questions. as a slasher movie. Uh, I'm not sure. It's well, it is as I said earlier in the podcast, one of my favourite films. I think the first hour in particular is really, really creepy, and a tad sleazy. Um, what do you guys think, Nathan and Joseph? Would you consider it a slasher? Mm. I don't know either. I need yeah. to see it. I, figure it's, I think it's close enough where you, we could do an episode on it. Yeah, I would love I mean, to discuss it because I think it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've just looked it up. That was um, that was our friend Gorgie or Georgie. G- Georgie. <laughs> it's it's a Georgie or Gorgie. G-O-R-G-Y, is it? G Y O, and it's got the two little dots above the O. So oh, I don't know yes. how you pronounce that. R G Y. So it's like orgy, Georgie, Georgie, Georgie. So we do apologise as as forever um, mangling people's names on the podcast. But um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Uh. as far as kind of donations, we're not we're not. um, I mean, it obviously does cost some money 
you know to host the files and stuff so if people did want to help um uh you know then you, you can make a paypal donation um at both this um uh, hysteria lives website and also the body counts continues um i think you've got that facility haven't you there joseph yes yeah so if you'd like to help the hosting then you know a little you know a couple of dollars here or there would would help, certainly help um i do i know so like outside the cinema um has done did a big kind of push for um donations to for a new studio um for us it's not quite the same thing because obviously we're it's as as one person kindly said in the review of um um, one of the commentary did they, their favourite, um, well everybody's favourite transatlantic um, podcast, which was very nice. Um, yes. But obviously, there would be no point in us getting a new studio because we're all in different. Well, well you know what we could do, we could mm. do is um, we could start a Kickstarter campaign to fly us all into one central location to record one episode. That would be good. Yes, a video episode. And also, um, any money that can be given for um, Eric's um, anger management courses, then <laughs> yes. that would be gratefully <laughs> received. Hmm. Not impressed I want to say, maybe Eric should have an anger fit on the um, video one, if we ever like fly to one location like that. It should be a quiz. I don't think that would, they'd have to pay for that. I think it would come naturally to me. Oh, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, you could um, re- you could recreate scenes from um, uh, Bloody Moon, Eric, couldn't you? You could dress up in <laughs> Jump, your best seventies fashion. Yeah, jumping up and down the bed, and I'm having sex with Ralph while yes. you are looking the window. Yes. Just imagine, just imagine if you send us ten thousand dollars, you could make that happen. <laughs> For real. Yeah, well, you'd have to. Dress we have up to have as... some kind of you know wealthy, really extremely wealthy listener out there who would like to see us on video. So yeah. get to donating. Exactly. Yes. So, well, thank you, Georgie, Gorgie, gorgeous, whatever. But you're, gorgeous you know, George. You know, you know gorgeous to, George. That's his name. Gorgeous George. You know how to, you know, um, you know how to pronounce your name. So maybe you can tell us, and we can try. But, uh, um, oh, well, thank you. And is there anything else? Any other bits of feedback? No. 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 no? Okay. Um, I did say I did mention. Uh, obviously, we've spoken about it before, but um, pre-orders are up for the Slice and Dice, the Slash Movie Forever documentary. That I have I pre-ordered. You have here. excellent, and um, obviously, the um, it's going to be a really good documentary. Um, uh, the high-rising guys, uh, Naomi and Callum, do some amazing work on very little budget. And especially Naomi's um, animation always just gives gives everything that extra sheen. Everything looks, you know, makes everything look a million dollars. And I have seen it. And someone mentioned, um, I didn't mention about seeing Intruder uncut on the big screen. And unfortunately, I didn't get to see it when I went to Glasgow because although I was there, we had to go off and do the commentary while the film was playing. So I didn't get to see it, unfortunately. But apparently it went down really, really well. So... So, and don't um, isn't there a bonus disc of slasher trailers in the DVD that you've done commentary for as well? Yes, I've mm. done a commentary. Um, I've moderated a commentary talking to Callum um, about the throughout the commentary, but then we did a kind of fun, kind of quick sort of fire commentary on slasher movie trailers. There's mm. only about twenty of them. Well, only about twenty of them. It's it's not it's not a, it's not a comprehensive in so much. It's not all the slasher trailers you would think, but it's it's um some ones you you would expect and some you may not expect. Mm. So, um, it should be make for a quite a fun uh, bonus disc. Yeah. So, um, yes. Well, is there anything else we want to say before we close the show? 
You should tell us what your next pick is going to be. Oh, yes. Uh, big surprise. Well, it's not really a big surprise. It's only because I've got, a, potentially, I've got um, at least one um, interview lined up with the cast and crew of Phantom of the Mall, Eric's oh, Revenge. My Revenge. Eric's yes. Revenge. So um, I've got at least one, um, which probably means they, I won't get any of them. Um, unfortunately, the Phantom himself um, very not kindly turned me down because he's. What about Polly Shore? Did you get him? Uh, is Polly Shore in Phantom of the Mole? Yes. Yes, Gosh. he is. And Ken Forey. And Morgan huh? Fairchild, of course. And Morgan, Morgan Fairchild. I know Morgan Fairchild's in this, yeah. Yes. So I haven't seen. It's only. I don't know why. I think it's partly because I, I got um, some like mini lobby cards on eBay for about £2 the other day. And so it just kind of, I just thought, well, I'd, it might be quite fun because I haven't, I haven't actually seen that film for years, so I've no idea whether I'd like it or or not. But I imagine Nathan, you probably quite enjoy that film. I do, but it's been a long time, so I'm ready to rewatch it. Okay, yeah, it's the been only thing that sticks over in my mind years is, since I've seen it. Really, okay. yeah, I haven't well, seen it, it in a be, long time either. It should be an interesting, um, uh, you know, to go back to it. The only thing I'm looking for and I can't find yet is a trailer, because I can find a Spanish-language trailer, which lots of Eric, sort of throughout it. So that's the only one I can find at the moment. So if anyone's got well, a trailer... Well, Eric, I don't know if we'll do the uh, second half of the quiz on that episode or not, but if we do, this, since it's Eric's Revenge, you need to kind of brush up on your you know your slasher movie knowledge because this could be your revenge there's um there's absolutely nothing wrong with my slasher movie knowledge it's just your questions are rigged no 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 eric come on come on man up i I am the winner and the world belongs no you man up (laughs) cross-dressing vegan person go sit on a kit kat (laughs) yeah yeah eric i am already (laughs) you have already yeah Mm. that's not chocolate <laughs> oh, God. Uh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, let's let's. Um, I think it's time that we finish this once yes. and for all. Well, not once and for all for this week. So, thank you for joining us. Anything else we want to say before Eric has a has a breakdown? Um, it's been fun. It's been fun. Yes. And the thing I'm really looking forward to for the next show is going to be lots of fantastic little clips that we can play of Eric. I imagine. Well. Well, lots of people. Oh, going, of Eric and Phantom of the Mall, yeah. Yeah, and going, oh, Eric's <laughs> after me, or Eric, you know. Yeah. You know, well, I still anyway. like that clip from the slasher where it says, I hate to admit it, but Eric is right. Which I think <laughs> we should play. Uh, did I say the slasher? I meant the slayer. Um, slayer. We, should play, we should play that more often, that clip. Well, why don't you, if you grab that clip and I will play it for next week, so it can be an all Eric all the time episode yeah. next week. Or the end of the fortnight, I should say. Because yeah. so, there's, there's no Justin films out there, is there? No, there isn't. No, it's just people like Justin Timberlake and people like that, and Justin Bieber. It's kind of like you know famous people. Um, so yeah. yeah. So okay, right. Well, thanks for listening, and we're going to play you out with what have we what are we playing out with, Joseph? This is "Summer in the City" by The Loving Spoonful. Okay, right. Well, here's um, "Summer in the City," and we'll play you out with that. So. Thanks for joining us, and uh, see you for some Eric's Revenge next time. Bye. Then down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around, people looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk, hotter than a match here. But at night, it's a different world. 
go out and find a girl. Come on, come on and dance all night. Despite the heat, it'll be all right. And babe, don't you know it's a pity the days can't be like the nights in the summer, in the city, in the summer, in the city. But he keeps Just it saying. up forever. Eric, would you take it from uh, prior? No. No. Wait Whoa. a minute. Joe told me that he thought prior was really hot in Creep Show 2. Yeah, he was. <laughs> no, 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 no. You Joe said he thought Sam Sam Moon was hot in Creep Show 2. Which one's he? The one with the long hair that's going to oh, get him paid and lead. Paid and lead. <laughs> that's Holt McCallany. Well, is he Did you have a thing for him, Joseph? No, I did not. 